Hello and welcome to Media May, the show in which we year by year explore the movies, music, and TV that most evaded our lives. I'm your host, a member of the Oceanic Six, Rod, and I'm joined by... What What am I? Oh, wait, wait, yes, it says an empty shack with a tin roof. Name. Jess. <laughs> wow, I... Guys, it's a little bit more early. I forgot that there is something... You're staring at me like you're not done yet. I was like, no, that's the end of my nickname today. Tin roof. Busted. Yes, it is very busted, but we will get that to that busted roof in the next half of the season. But we're not not talking the B-52s. We did that in 1989. Yeah, good year. We talked B-52s That was the year. 1989. (laughs) And that was the year uh, the world entered the best bit. Is that what you were saying? Something about the poor one wall fell and then it was like, ah. Yeah, the end of history. The end of history. 1989. (laughs) According to some weirdo somewhere. (laughs) No, no, we're, we're out of the 80s. We are far away. We're in the worst of times. What? 2004. Oh. I don't know if the worst of times, but, you know, <laughs> there were a lot of angry people out there. That's fair. There were. <laughs> it's a very political time. Unlike now. It was, it's a very political time. <laughs> it's never stopped. The end of history came, and now it's all politics. Yeah. A new history. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, we, you know, we're, we're, we're here. If you're new to the show, here's what we do. We talk movies, music, and TV. Mm-hmm. It's a television episode this week. Mm-hmm. We're talking our television shows of 2004. So what Jess and I have done, we looked at a list of every TV show that debuted in the year 2004, including those that debuted internationally, not just in the U.S. <sighs> we, we're visiting a certain country that Jess loves very much okay. for the first time okay, this, well. this year. This year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm not telling any lies here. Look. We'll get to it when we get to it. We'll get to my shame. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and we've decided which, yeah, did I say that part? We decided which show each of us have watched the most in our lives. You may have said it. I can't remember. It is 4.30 in the morning. It's not that early. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think at this point, yeah, at this point forward, no more kids shows for Rod. Yeah. Adult shows for, for men. He's a big, he's a big boy. No, I'm, he's I'm a, a big man. <laughs> What did we say movie? earlier? What was, what, what was that joke? Chef, Chef Man, Bo- Chef Chef Man, Man RD. RD. <laughs> yeah. I'm your host, Chef Man RD. Rod. <laughs> That's our uh, episode where we just become a cooking podcast. I mean, we need more April Fool's ideas. So <laughs> maybe wonder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start with my show. You know, get get you all used to the, the format because my show's like you know culturally relevant to the united states audience. yeah i was like okay <laughs> i'm just gonna say people are gonna look at the the title of this episode and think we're talking about a completely different show for you that's true that's true but that's the second segment we're gonna start with my show an american show okay can you say that with any more marca in your voice <laughs> debuting september 22nd 2004 on abc starring matthew fox evangeline Lilly. Jorge Garcia, Josh Holloway, Ian Summerholder, Maggie Grace, Harold Perrineau, Michael David Kelly, Terry O'Quinn, Naveen Andrews, Emily DeRaven, Yoonjin Kim, Daniel Day Kim, and Dominic Moynihan, created by Jeffrey Lieber, Damon Lindelof, and J.J. Abrams. That show is... Lost. Where are we? Honey, where, have, where are we? Guys, 
Where are we? <laughs> that was a big cast, by the way. Aldi? Sorry. What? I just said it in Korean sense. Wow. <laughs> Lost. It's a show that was very big. Very but nobody could find out where to find it. Okay, I'm done making stupid jokes. Gosh. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I, I assume that most people out there are, uh, are aware of Lost. If they haven't watched it and grew frustrated with it, they at least, like, know that people watched it and grew frustrated by it. Hmm. Right? I'd never heard of Lost until we did this. No way. I'm sorry. You're a liar. <laughs> I'm not a liar. You've I lie about a lot of things. None of your friends in high school or, any, or college watched Lost? Hi, I'm an anime kid. We spent all of our time in books <laughs> or looking for stuff to watch that was cartoons. I, I feel like this this show couldn't be avoided. Every, I, every, it was like an event. I, it was like the Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones. I hear you. I, I hadn't, I mean, I know the word lost. I think when you were saying lost, I was thinking save the cheerleader. I don't know what it's called, but that's in my mind. Heroes. Heroes. And Heroes was trying to like, you know, take the the lost audience. Yeah, I've never, I, Heroes was a thing that I knew. It's, I did not know Lost. It's like, okay, okay. Lost is a show about, uh, I mean, it's ostensibly about a group of uh, passengers on a, on a plane mm -hmm. who crash land on a deserted island and them trying to survive. Funnily enough, I did watch Flight like Two Nine Down, which is about a bunch of like boarding school kids that plane fell and they were like on a on an island and they had to figure it out. There was Cordon Blue was in it and stuff. So I watched that and I, I know what that is. I don't know what that is. I don't it's I apparently lost but kids. It's like the all that to SNL <laughs> and then Flight Twenty Nine Down to Lost. Okay. <laughs> but like Lost very quickly became it, it still was always about like survival, but it became more of it's it's a mystery show through mm -hmm. and through. And it's like, oh man, this island's more than meets the eye. They found this weird like metal hatch in the middle of the jungle. What the heck does this go? Where where does this what is this? What does it mean? Oh, there's symbols everywhere. There's a monster. Uh it, there's like weird spiritual energy around. What's going on? There's this rich history, you know, people aren't who they say they are. Sounds Why are these people on this island? It just sounds like a video game. What's the meaning of life? Yeah. Sounds like oxen free. So like the, the mystery and, and I'm sure lost in a lot of ways changed television. And I will talk about a lot of those ways as we talk about the show. But without lost, you wouldn't have shows like Fringe or Heroes. I did watch Fringe. Fringe, Fringe was almost like a spiritual successor to Lost. It was like J.J. Abrams and his crew made that too. I didn't watch a lot of it because it got a little scary because I'm a scary little girl. But I liked Fringe. I think I like a duo. <laughs> I, I never watched Fringe. Rather than a, when you got a group, crew, a crew piece. Like there's a lot of members. That's a lie I love leverage. Continue. A, ensemble? Ensemble. I like a crew of two rather than an ensemble cast. Fair enough. So I mean, if you if you have no history with Lost, I, I guess I could share mine. Yeah. So I remember when Lost debuted. It was like a big deal on the middle school playground. Mm. I I there wasn't a playground. The the gym <laughs> the the blacktop like during gym class. Sorry, the gym just like middle school gym bros. That's all I'm seeing. No. Hey, did you watch Lost? Oh. Oh no no no. This is like every like you know. Uh, like little preteen boys and girls mm -hmm. all talking about this new show Lost. Uh, like I remember in particular, like my friends f 
from middle school to high school. Uh, Alexa and Imran were super into Lost mm-hmm. early on, you know, like season one Lost. And at this by this point, I wasn't I was not watching like I, I've never like my parents even like we never like watched network TV. Mm-hmm. Generally, it was always cable channels, you know, obviously, because I'm watching Nickelodeon and right and uh, Disney Channel up to this point. And then even my parent, my dad, like he barely watched. He watched sports on the networks. He was not watching new network television. Mm-hmm. He was watching cable reruns of Seinfeld yeah. well. or Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> and my mom like really didn't watch TV. Maybe cable reruns of, of I Love Lucy or something. Yeah, You're My parents are very old fashioned. <laughs> um, so like I wasn't going to watch Lost when it aired because I wasn't really even in the network television bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't watching ABC. Right. Whatever shows were airing at the same time as ABC. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell you. Seventh Heaven, probably. S- Sex in the City? Or uh, or was pretty that sure on that ABC? was an HBO show. <laughs> no, or, uh, I don't know, 2004 was Is it Desperate Housewives? Is that, I feel that like was, that's on ABC, right? That's on ABC. I feel, I'm thinking ABC Family, like uh, Secret Life of American Teenager, because my oh, no, sister no, no. was watching this at the same time. Yeah, that's a different channel. Yeah. So... Like season one just passed me by, and then but like I feel like even like the the premiere of season two, like was like eighth grade, was even bigger. It was it was like everyone was just so excited to mm. to for Lost to come back, oh. you know. So it was like I kept hearing about it and I didn't watch it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I remember like like I said, my friend Alexa was like big into it, like very excited for Lost yeah. in season two. So I I was just like you know I just passed it by, and you know every so often I'd hear about it again. It wasn't until I believe after season four had had run. Mm-hmm. Season four of Lost One was one of the casualties of the uh, the writer strike of two thousand seven eight. Oh right, right, right. Uh, you know, um, topical now. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're going to start seeing the casualties of the current writer strike. By the way, well, and and, and the good. actor strike. There it should was... be casualties. Yeah, outside of the writers, no casualties in the writers. But uh, season four of Lost is was a super short one. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a good thing, honestly, mm. at that point in time. It made season four a good season of Lost. <laughs> they were trying to fill it with, you know. Junk. Junk. Yeah. It wasn't like an anime. Yeah. Um, How dare you? No filler. At the end of season four, by that point, I believe Lost had reached its 100 episodes. Mm. So what happens when a show reaches 100 Syndication. Yep. So it started getting syndicated and it was the rights were purchased by G4, a channel I was watching in 2008 <laughs> or so. Yeah. And I remember Lost began airing every day mm-hmm. on G4. So I told myself, cool, well, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm a, at this point, you know, a sophomore in high school mm-hmm. or, or even a junior in high school. I'm not sure. I can catch up. Well, I can come home from school. I could like have lunch because I, I didn't eat at, at school. Um, then I'd go upstairs, watch one episode of Lost, and do my homework. It was it was a cool deal, and it I could was? do it every single day because that's how syndication works. Yeah. So I watched the first two episodes of Lost, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, this that was interesting. That was cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can I can see why the people are into this, and I wasn't like hooked yet. Mm-hmm. See, I guess technically it's episode three, but mm-hmm. the pilot episode's two parts, so that was two days. Episode three, the fourth day of watching Lost is the John Locke episode because mm-hmm. every episode is specific on a certain character. Right. The John Locke episode, the first one, hooked me immediately. Mm-hmm. There's a twist at the end and I was just like, ah, oh my gosh, this is the greatest show on television. <laughs> I get the hype. I get the hype. 
So I watched all of season one that way mm-hmm. on G4 every day after school. And the cliffhanger ending to season one was so like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I need to keep watching this show. But I don't want to have to wait one day every day to watch yeah. it. I want to watch multiple episodes in a day. <laughs> so my friend Andrew, not the one you know, a different Andrew, okay, uh, told me, you know, all the episodes, and this is such a, a different time. Mm-hmm. All the episodes are streaming on ABC's website. Oh, You could just watch them all. And I was like, that's a great idea. <laughs> so this is pre-Hulu. Yeah. Pre-Netflix streaming. Yep. Like Netflix was sending DVDs out to people still. This is true. Gosh, a time. What a time that was. So I watched basically season two to season all the way to season four mm-hmm. and caught up on Lost just watching on ABC's website, free streaming. I don't even think there were ads. A, B, C. <laughs> so then by that point, I had finished right before season five started airing. So mm-hmm. I was able to at that point start watching Lost as it aired. <laughs> Weekly, which yes. is a travesty when you've been watching it It was daily. hard, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that's it. And I watched Lost all the way to the end. Wow. And then uh, I, by the, the time it ended, they released the uh, the big giant box set of Lost, which mm. included the, uh, the secret ending. Oh. And so I bought on Amazon using, like, I, I had like Amazon credit. So mm-hmm. I, I tried to buy the box set and I accidentally bought it twice. Oh, I sent one back. Yeah, like, I was like, I did, but like, a- I, I got two giant bo- lost <laughs> box sets in the mail, <laughs> and like- this box set is shaped like a pyramid. Oh, and it's you- got secret compartments and clues on it. Like, it's like a giant puzzle box. Oh, you must and- have liked that a lot. I thought it was neat. It's neat, and it came with a black light that you could like, you know, uh, shine on to the box to, to find, find secret clues. Mm. And uh, inside the box set, once you solve the clues, uh, you can find uh, the secret disc that has the secret ending on it huh so i watched that you know i obviously had that but because i had the box that i watched it all again mm-hmm. on dvd and then my parents were like hey we want to watch this show so after i finished watching it the first time i watched it again with them <laughs> all the way through i listened to all the dvd commentaries yeah so it's like i, I consumed a lot of loss there's no question why it's my show 2004 yeah should i talk about how the show is made because there's a lot going on yeah let's go good thing i don't have a history so you can talk all the things all right Lost was conceived by ABC chairman Lloyd Braun. Lloyd? While he was vacationing in Hawaii in 2003. Okay. <laughs> That's another thing. This show is shot on location in Hawaii for the most part. So was the idea more like, how can I stay here for a bit? I think honestly for like a lot of the cast members even were like, I get to just like live in Hawaii for how, as long as this show is airing. Sure. I guess it's a dream for some. For some, it never ended. I think Terry O'Quinn and Daniel Day Kim never left Hawaii. There's a reason why they both were on Hawaii Five-0. <laughs> the initial idea was to produce a television adaptation of the 2000 film Castaway with elements drawn from the reality show Survivor. Okay. Was there at any point a Wilson? I don't know. But basically, like Lloyd Braun, uh, he liked Castaway. He thought that could be a series. Mm-hmm. In, and, and Survivor was a big ratings draw at the time so he's like you know people are into like surviving out in the wild why not do a show that's true quick sidebar off the top of my head there are three tom hanks movies that he is lost at sea castaway captain phillips pinocchio movie night oh no never mind just kidding (laughs) i don't want a watery hanks night watery hanks (laughs) continue 
Braun pitched his idea for Castaway, the series, <laughs> as a- at ABC's gathering of executives in Anaheim, California, describing the concept as, quote, parts Castaway, Survivor, and Gilligan's Island with Lord of the Flies elements. Where was the Giggles Island? I mean, I only saw it an episode. So. Well, Gilligan's Island is just like, hey, let's get a bunch, like an ensemble cast of different people to be trapped on an island together. But it's comedy. Yeah, I know. But like the idea of like different people from different classes That's and fair. backgrounds okay. and races all living together. I don't know if there were different races on Gilligan's Island, but you know. No, <laughs> there were not. Unless you count the Harlem Globetrotters there for one episode. I do not. <laughs> At some point. Braun abandoned the idea for a straight adaptation of Castaway in favor of a fully new IP settling on the name Lost. Uh, it's a good word. Good, strong word. Many found the idea laughable, including Disney CEO Michael Eisner and Disney President Bob Iger. Well, both of those men are laughable. But Senior Vice President Tom Sherman saw potential and decided to order an initial script from production company Spelling Television. Writer Jeffrey Lieber presented a pitch titled Nowhere to ABC in 2003, which Sherman approved. Okay. Unhappy with the eventual script by Lieber and a subsequent rewrite, Lloyd Braun contracted up-and-coming screenwriter J.J. Abrams. Oh, did he do anything else? I don't had, recognize that name. He had developed the series Alias for ABC. Oh. And uh, he was brought on to write a new pilot script. So J.J., at this point, he had probably been most known for Alias. Mm-hmm. But he made Felicity, too, I believe, right? I think. Those were his, like, two hits. Yeah. So Alias was a big hit for ABC. So they're like, let's give this guy another chance. Sweet. Yeah, he's been good for us. And he was kind of a hotshot in the television industry. For, like, from the interviews I watched, mm-hmm. it seemed like all the television writers at the time were like, we want to work with AJ. AJ Jabrams. We want to work with JJ. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that's interesting. Um uh, like, oh, that's interesting that, like, his two big claims to claim first were, like, women leading uh, shows. But I've never watched any of those shows. And I feel like if I go back now, I'm like, all right, <laughs> is this is this man writing woman? It could be good. I've never seen it. But, I don't know. Um, I, Alias gives me Buffy vibes from the, like, small bits I've seen. Hmm. It's, it's so funny. Lost literally changed television. Like, you know, there's a pre-Lost television landscape in a post-lost landscape and i feel like alias exists in that pre-lost so you know it's more television e you know what i mean than cinematic yeah Is it's like ep- what- it's like episodic it's it's serialized but not to the extent that lost would be or shows <laughs> today usually are you hmm. know like having overarching themes that really drag through yeah like up until then like i feel like most television networks were super hesitant to approve a show that's like heavily serialized mm-hmm. uh you know uh filmic in its presentation expensive mm-hmm. you know they they wanted safe episodic television yeah that's fair i've like trying to think through back like the tv shows that we've talked about before this like because i think where i'm like i don't know man i feel like that's all the tv i ever really watch <laughs> but, like, but it was rare but like even we talked firefly even firefly is pretty episodic okay here's the with thing. small little and, and i feel like the biggest show that like definitely informed what Lost would become is uh, uh, the X Files, okay, which fair. also is episodic in a lot of ways. It yeah, has, like a lot of Monster of the Week episodes. This is true. I'm not gonna let you throw shade like that on Firefly, though. 
No, I like Firefly. This is true, but I was like, it had 14 episodes, and there are also things that you see pulling through in those 14 episodes. But Joss Whedon had to hide those things. I think the network wasn't smart enough to catch on to those things. Mm. Like, for the most, like, you know, on a surface level, it's presented as an episodic Monster of the Week show, even though it isn't. Right. Okay, I see what you're saying. So, like, the production-wise, not the production, but, like, the company-wise, more than necessarily the artist intent. Yes. Got it. (laughs) We're doing a lot of sidebars, kids. The one edict Braun made to Abrams was that the show's title must be lost Mm -hmm. as he was angry at its change to nowhere by Mm. Mr. Lieber. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's kind of funny. It's not as punchy as the word lost. Not as, like, enigmatic. Yeah. Abrams agreed to develop the project on the condition that the series have a supernatural slash mystery angle to it and that he have a writing partner. Which I'm like, you know. Yeah. Smart. ABC executives sent him Damon Lindelof, who had worked on shows like Wasteland, Nash Bridges, and Crossing Jordan. I've, shows I've never seen. I also have never seen, but I've only heard of the last one. So there, this, this is kind of a funny story. Like a bunch of interviews talk about this one. So Damon Lindelof like had been wanting to work with J.J. Abrams forever, you know, and he was like a nobody, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I think you know he he was working on Crossing Jordan, which I believe is probably the biggest show of his career by that point. Mm-hmm. So when ABC was like, oh, yeah, you know, hey, Damon, go work with JJ. He's like, oh, cool. It's a dream come true. Mm -hmm. So he was like, oh, man, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be a dork in front of this hot shot. What am I, you know, who Mm -hmm. am I? You know, so Damon Lindelof showed up to the writer's room, you know, because it was like JJ, some of JJ's writers from Alias. Mm -hmm. And then Damon showed up in a Star Wars T-shirt and a blazer (laughs) over it. (laughs) And as soon as. Damon walks up to the door. Uh, uh, reportedly, one of J- JJ's writers was like, "Hey, man, cool shirt. Why aren't we friends yet?" <laughs> you know. And then JJ like, "Hey, cool shirt. Why aren't we friends yet?" Cute. You know? And so it was like immediately they were all good friends. Yeah. And they're like, we all they all because they're all like nerds, you mm-hmm. know, nerdy dudes who love Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Grew up watching Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff Passed like that. The vibe check. Yeah. And uh, I guess independently, both JJ and Damon, when hearing about the idea of Crash Land on an Island, you know, that's the series. They were like, well, there's got to be mystery to it, right? <laughs> you know, so let's have like supernatural, weird ghost stuff going on or okay. alien stuff or something. It's, yeah, it's you not know? enough to just have a cra- Crash Plane. Yeah. And then Damon was the one who cut, he came up with the idea to do flashbacks mm. where every character... Every episode focuses on a different character and shows flashbacks to their time before crash landing on the island mm-hmm. and reveals things about not only their character, but like what they're lying about. You know, mm-hmm. not every character is who they seem. Got it. So that was that was all Damon. So I, I credit, you know, Damon Lindelof. Uh, he's kind of a dork and uh, for, uh, apparently given new revelations, not a very good manager. Mm. Um, and I think he has him and JJ both have extreme failings when it comes to writing things. Mm. But that was a great idea. Yeah. Did the child get some flashbacks? Walt? Was the child not what they they expected to be? You said everybody is lying about something. What was the child lying about? Um, I don't want to spoil everything. Was he literally show. had something that he was lying? Oh, yeah, about? You all, yeah, all the characters have something going on. He was it, like six. Yeah, I know. Was he lying about stealing cookies from he, the cookie jar? He's a very special child. Oh no! Was I, the dog lying? Honestly, like it's weird. They brought like they brought Walt back. Okay, one there's a character named Walt, and he's young. He's a little kid. Uh, he grew up too fast, so they had to write him off the show. Uh. 
Um, but at the same they time, killed the kid. No, no, no. He he comes back after he's grown. Got it. And they make him kind of like an important character towards the very end. Got it. <laughs> hmm. Okay, but what about the dog? Did the dog lie? I don't know. I can't remember what happened to the <laughs> just dog. Just an, an episode I, that we just followed. It's a dog's life. <laughs> no, no. The dog never got a flashback, <laughs> but the dog did. Something happened. I can't remember what happened to that stupid <laughs> dog. <gasps> stupid dog. Continue. Given just a few days by ABC, Abrams, Lindelof, and a few writers from Alias developed an outline for a pilot episode. They also wrote a series Bible that conceived and detailed the major mythological ideas and plot points for an ideal four to five season run for the show. Hmm. ABC picked up the pilot on the outline alone, which Ooh. is very uh, unusual. Unusual. The network felt that Alias was too serialized, so Lindelof and Abrams assured them in the Bible that the show would be self-contained. Quote, we promise that each episode requires no knowledge of the episodes that preceded it. You're there a... is no ultimate mystery that requires solving. You're a liar. While such statements contradicted their true intentions, meaning they're liars, <laughs> the ruse succeeded in persuading ABC to purchase the show. People might take that and be like, see, they had no plan. See? And I was like, no, I think they, they, they had a plan for the, the series. But like production changes things. You That's know? true. Like the, the series definitely probably didn't like become what they planned here mm -hmm. from the start. Yeah. Because, yeah, production changes things, but uh, budget changes things. And then also like societal climate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kids get too old. Got to ride them off the show. Which means kid. like, hey, what do you do with the, the dad character of that child that you just wrote off the show? Well, they know. killed both the kid and the dad? No, they, they wrote just like wrote him off. Like they got taken off the island somehow. Was there just one other black person? The lady? The, uh, you know, you're, you're discussing problems that these actors had with the, with the writing of this show. That have since come to light. Got it. Cool. Uh, yeah. I'll talk, we'll get, I might, we'll I'll, get to that at I'll, the I'll end of the I'll talk a little segment. bit about Yeah. Because the show had been commissioned late in the 2004 season's development cycle, development was constrained by tight deadlines. Lloyd Braun estimated that the whole process from writing to post-production took just six to eight weeks. Oh. Insane. That's not healthy. No, not for the most expensive pilot filmed ever. Yeah. Up to that point. Speaking of Braun, he was forced out of his position at ABC shortly after greenlighting the pilot. Why was he forced? He was fired. Why? Because of this pilot. Oh. <laughs> Despite objections by Disney's head executives, Braun had pushed on with the filming saying, quote, if we are pregnant enough, they won't shut us down. <laughs> so executives probably told him, yeah, this this pilot's too expensive. Don't do it. And he did it anyway. <laughs> so there's a lot of like going behind Disney's back on this one. Yeah. It's a lot of it's for your own good. All of these of people feel justified, I assume. Yeah. With their decision because this show was such a big hit. This is true, but y'all could be sued. Because no script had been finalized, only a few character archetypes had been decided on, including a main character named Jack, who serves as the audience surrogate in the pilot, a role originally planned for Michael Keaton. I learned. Michael Keaton? Yeah. Batman. Wasn't he like sixty eight at this point? <laughs> Was that he's rude? probably in his 30s. Was that rude? He's older than Matthew Fox, but like, you know, he was like, he was going to be like the established star to get people in the door. Got it. Uh, also, a middle aged businesswoman named Kate, whose husband had apparently died in the crash. Ah, apparently. Uh, they, they changed a lot of Kate. Yep. Created Rose to 
take on that role instead. Mm-hmm. And a slick suit wearing city con man named Sawyer. He's a conman? Yeah. Oh, a conman, no. When it came time for casting, the producers decided to develop characters based on actors they liked. So basically, like, they had like three characters. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, just bring, they told casting directors, just send anyone to us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, you know, race, age, doesn't matter. Just mm-hmm. come in, they'll, they'll read for these characters, you know. That's the way to do it. Yeah. So, for example, Dominic Moynihan and Jorge Garcia both auditioned for the role of Sawyer. So Dominic Moynihan is the, uh, he's best known for playing uh, Mary. Yeah. Mary or Pippin? <laughs> no, no, it's it's Mary in, in uh, Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. Rings. And then Jorge Garcia is Hurley, <laughs> the big guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess he, he, he at that point, he was he had just done an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So I think that was like everyone recognized him from that at the time. And they both played. They both for auditioned Sawyer. for the slick city con man Sawyer. I mean, I've never seen these people in anything else. So, I mean, except I watched the first Lord of the Rings. So I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. They could be in their acting chops. I don't know. While they weren't selected for that role, new characters were written specifically for them. Hmm. You got a washed up former rock star Charlie and an unlikely lottery winner for Hurley. Oh, he won the lottery? That's kind of what happened to him. That sucks. He won the lottery and it ruined his life. Oh. And the numbers were bad luck and that became a whole thing. Oh. The numbers are like kind of like cosmically important in the lost universe. Hmm. The number five. I hate fives. Sorry. <laughs> came back from Novali. Anyway. All right. And then who else came to read for things? Meanwhile, Korean actress Yoon Jin Kim auditioned for Kate. Okay. The producers were so taken with her that they developed a, a new character, son, daughter of a powerful and incredibly wealthy Korean businessman and mobster for her. And then she didn't speak for the whole first season. <laughs> As well. Well, no. More revelations, people not being who they say they are. I mean, yes, I do know that. You did tell me that thing, but like, it was a while. Yeah, it, it, I think it's like half of the first season. Mm. She doesn't really talk other than in Korean. Right. As well as the character Jin, her husband, to be portrayed by Daniel Day Kim. Ah. Who uh, did not speak Korean too much at the time. He, I, he, I, I saw an interview. He hadn't uh, spoken Korean fluently since he was a kid. So that's why yeah. he had to brush up on that. Yeah, that happens. There was like Yoonjin Kim is an actual like Korean television and movie star, mm-hmm. whereas Daniel Day Kim is just you know an American TV star who had to relearn Korean. Yep, I'm glad he was able to though. You know, we'll we're talk not gonna about- yeah we're not gonna like dive into it, but like American whitewashing. <laughs> Lost two part pilot episode was at that point the most expensive in history, reportedly costing between ten million and fourteen million dollars. Compared to the average cost of an hour-long pilot in 2005 of four million, what beat it? Oh, since then, yeah. Oh, uh, Westworld, I believe, uh, uh. took it, and then there's, there's, I, I looked it up. Like, there's another show that like was semi-recent that uh. took it. You know, okay. it was like a period drama or something. Oh, probably something like Queen Charlotte or something. I can't remember. It's fine, but yeah, that's a lot of money, and um, like for inflation, <laughs> something beating that is wild. Yeah. A sizable chunk of the budget went to the purchase and refurbishment of a decommissioned Lockheed 1011 aircraft to represent Flight A-15's wreckage. Mm. They just bought a decommissioned plane. Mm-hmm. That also means they had to move it mm-hmm. from where they bought it to Hawaii, transport, 
and then dress it up to make it look all beat up. So that, that was where all the money went. And they sawed it in half. They had to saw it in half and all that junk. Yeah. Where is it now? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe it's part of it's still in Hawaii somewhere, like a museum. I don't know. Maybe it's still on the beach, but somebody turned it into a house. No. <laughs> Filming began on March 11th, 2004, with soundstage shooting in Los Angeles for scenes set inside the flight before moving to the primary shooting location of the Hawaiian island of Oahu. Filming wrapped on April 24th, Lindelof's birthday. Ah. You know, so like most, pretty much most of Lost is shot in Oahu from that point forward. Mm-hmm. Oahu, because it's like, it's basically Los Angeles on an island. Mm. <laughs> like the entire Oahu island is sort of like, you just take like the, the real estate of Los Angeles, like the city, mm-hmm. pick it up and move it into the water. Oh. That's what so Oahu can very easily double for LA. Got it. For they they use it Chicago. to double for Iraq, mm. for Russia, for you know like the Arctic somewhere. Dang. Um, Canada, you oh. know, like the Midwest, like mm-hmm. it's just like it, it's a very diverse you know climate, you know, and they could just dress it up to make it look like anywhere in the world. So that makes it's kind sense. of the perfect setting. Yeah, because even in the first episode when he was running through the forest, I was like. Those are bamboo. Ch- is there bamboo? Is there bamboo in, yeah. in Hawaii? And you're like, yep, bamboo forest. And I was like, okay. The pilot episode had its world premiere on July 24th, 2004 at San Diego Comic-Con. Oh. And part one had its first ABC broadcast on September 22nd, 2004. It's coming up. <laughs> the Sep- 19th anniversary. <laughs> September 20, 20, <laughs> September 22nd will have passed by the time you're listening yeah, to yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. So this show's 19 years old now. <laughs> feel old. It's doing its first year of college. It's about to start its uh, fall semester. Series co-creator J.J. Abrams withdrew from production of Lost partway through the first season to direct Mission Impossible 3. Oh, that bombed. Did it? I have no idea. I saw it in the theater. I, th- I thought it was awesome. <laughs> the movie just, rocks. I just like, oh, he moved from this incredible show to a movie. And I was just like, oh, well, oh, no, he, he, he was like, hey, I've, I've been wanting to like do a yeah. movie forever. And like, he, I think he had done one like TV movie mm-hmm. with Harrison Ford at some point. Oh, well. I don't know if it was theatrical or not. <laughs> Regarding Henry is the name of that movie. <laughs> it's uh, it's fine. It's something. It's got a twist ending. Uh. <laughs> you could see like where J.J. Abrams like got his style or whatever but it's mm. a very like not very exciting movie mm. anyway uh so it's like it's he he you know jumped at the chance to work on a right. hollywood film uh he anyway abrams left damon lindelof and new executive producer carlton cues to be showrunners for the remainder of the show's run sweet uh so i want to speak on carlton cues a little bit carlton cues was a like tv veteran at this point mm-hmm. i get i think he had worked with lindelof on nash bridges and that's how they got hooked up to mm-hmm. show run lost okay so they're like the the guys uh lost used to have a like a podcast mm-hmm. that in the, it was just like it was hosted by carlton cues and like damon lindelof right and they would just talk about like the production of the show they would have guests on answer questions and talk about where the show was going stuff like that mm-hmm. constantly joking about the zombie season that never happened <laughs> <laughs> um it's never too late but here's the thing carlton cues being a tv veteran come came from the days of like old timey, like, you know, Burbank studios, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, he, he was, he's like the network TV guy. Mm-hmm. So he ran his writer's room, like an old TV network guy, mm-hmm. you know, Damon was a young guy, but he deferred to Carlton Cuse's judgment on a lot of issues. The problem is when you have a guy from old, old school TV, uh, you get issues like misogyny, 
sexism, racism, you know, just kind of disrespect. Yeah. So Carl, like, so there was a book that was published uh, recently and an excerpt from the book. Like there was a whole chapter just on Lost. Mm -hmm. And it was about like, you know, uh, issues in the writers, you know, prejudice or, or uh, discrimination in, in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And there was a chapter on the Lost Writers Room and that chapter was then republished on uh, some entertainment website like Entertainment Weekly or Variety or something. Okay. And a lot of like ex-writers and actors specifically called out Carlton Cuse for a toxic work environment. Mm. Harold Perrineau, who played Michael, uh, the dad, mm -hmm. uh, talked about him clashing with Carlton Cuse and then Damon Lindelof having no backbone and standing up for his people. Mm. So like Damon Lindelof, like they got quotes from him and he, you know, they, they asked him for comment on this chapter and he was just like, I, I, you know, I, I can't deny that my behavior at that time uh, was uh, not ideal, but I don't remember that happening. So he was mm -hmm. like back and forth, like, I don't I don't think that happened, but also I own up to my mistakes. Mm -hmm. like he's, he but sounds like a little, but I won't enumerate the mistakes. Yeah, he sounds like a little worm. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, like it, it made me lose a lot of respect for Damon Lindelof, even mm -hmm. though like I don't think he's a great writer. Mm -hmm. He made a great show. But hearing that, I was like, oh, he's he sounds like, you know, he's not even a great manager. Yeah. <laughs> not taking care of his people. And then Carlton Cuse sounds like a monster. Yeah. Like based on some like petty, like the stories tell like uh, a group, uh, two new writers had a hit episode. Like they they wrote an episode that turned out to be a huge hit for season six, mm -hmm. you know, like critically acclaimed. Well, good ratings. Got Carlton Cuse took credit. Ugh. in interviews for that and then punished the two writers for having a successful episode Ugh. against his wishes or something stupid. Yeah. They didn't pay him enough respect. Sounds like a mob boss, honestly. Yeah. So yeah, Carlton Hughes sounds like a real jerk, old school kind of guy. And this is why we strike. <laughs> this is... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. So Carlton Hughes and Damon Lindelof were the showrunners for the whole run. Mm-hmm. And uh, while, you know, they I, they had success and the show is good in a lot of places, uh, at the same time, uh, it might not have been the best place to work for some people. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. But that's all I got for the making of Lost. Sorry to end that on a bummer, but we can jump <laughs> back into the show and talk about the first episode, Pilot, which is one of the most clever television show titles of all time. Mm -hmm. Why is it clever? Because Pilot. Because the plane. Because... Yes. Because we're going to find the plane and the pilot. It's not only the episode, the pilot episode of the show. Every show has a pilot episode. And generally, the title of a pilot episode is just called Pilot. Like, mm -hmm. there are a thousand episodes of TV called Pilot. Yeah. But in Lost, it's a play on words because they have to find the pilot of the plane. Yep. <laughs> like, if you're going to make us do this, we're going to do it. And the pilot of Lost is two hours long. It's a, you know almost feature-length episode yeah. of... Uh, he's like a feature length like episode of television mm -hmm. uh, we decided to only watch the first half so we watched pilot part one mm -hmm. uh, I have some clips from part two just to introduce some characters that didn't really get a lot of speaking lines in part one but uh, we watched part one yeah and we're gonna talk about it. we're gonna talk about that all right lost pilot where do you want to start on the beach okay well all right so here's here's what I did actually here's where we're gonna start I've got every character Kind of, I got a clip for every character. The, okay. the, the the driving force of Lost in a lot of ways is its cast. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people get hung up on the mystery stuff, like, oh, Lost has all these unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. One, it doesn't. 
if you read between the lines, you can easily answer every mystery in the show mm-hmm. just given the context clues. It's just like just critical think a little bit. It doesn't mm-hmm. even need to be like a a theory thing, you know. You need to like craft like theories and have like the string. Charlie Day string graph up mm-hmm. there, you know. It's like no, just like just think a little bit, like connect the dots, like just a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. So, just, I, sorry, I want to rant a little bit. Go ahead. And the, okay, let me finish my thought. Don't get hung up on the mysteries with Lost. It's more so a show about characters. It's the journey of the characters, and I feel like by and large. That's Lost's greatest strength. I think it does a very good job on making the characters believable. They have motivations. And you enjoy being with these people and seeing how they grow and change. Mm -hmm. And how the extreme circumstances they're confronted with change them, affect them. That's that's Lost's strength. Mm -hmm. So the characters are the most important thing. And that's why we're just going to talk about the, the main cast of Lost. And then, you know. The, the events around them, we'll, we'll talk about as we talk about the characters. But just to rant about the mysteries of Lost, in part two of the pilot, Jack, the main character, and some of his friends get, <laughs> get attacked by a polar bear in the jungles of Hawaii, or of, of this island. Mm-hmm. A polar bear. And a polar like, bear. Why the heck is there a polar bear on this, this island? And that is a mystery that people get really hung up on. Like, mm-hmm. They never explain why there are polar bears on the island. And I'm like, yes, they did (laughs) in the first episode of season three. (laughs) Because, spoilers, Jack gets abducted by some, like, other, like, they're they're called the Others. But basically, they're just a group of other people. More, more, most of these Others are, like, holdouts from a, a science uh, group mm-hmm. that came to the island to investigate it like because the island has supernatural qualities and when there's a, a location on the earth that have supernatural qualities scientists are going to go there to study it mm-hmm. so a group of scientists came to the island to study the supernatural energies of the island right part of that was hey let's bring a bunch of exotic animals to the island and see how this affects them in the first episodes of season three the others take Jack, uh, they uh, take Jack as prisoner and lock him in a polar bear cage. Hmm. That is why there are polar bears in the island. Scientists <laughs> brought them there. <clears throat> That's it. <laughs> you, they, 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 you, with the context clues, you don't have to be told. Oh yes, in the seventies, a group of scientists brought polar bears to the island to 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 research them. It's mm-hmm. like no, no. Just think about it for like a <laughs> second. That's it. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> As soon as you see a polar bear cage on the island, you're like, oh, okay. in, in a in a you know in, you know twenty year old research facility, you could just assume, oh, cool, these researchers probably brought it there. Not cool, cruel and unusual. And some of them escaped. Like, come on, <laughs> think things through, people. No, no thoughts, just accusations. Anyway, the mysteries aren't important to Lost. I okay. think you know, like they're they're there to drive the character development mm-hmm. for the most part. Let's talk characters. All right. So uh, first character, the one named really so far. Jack, Sawyer, Kate. Those are the only names I know. And Harley. Hey, you! Come here! I need to get this woman away from these fumes. Take her over there. Stay with her. If our contractions occur any closer than three minutes apart, call out for me. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Okay. Hey! What's your name? Jack! He's a veterinarian. He is not. 
He's a vegetarian. He's a successful Los Angeles doctor named Jack. He does plastic surgery. No, just just normal surgery. Spinal surgeries. Is that a normal surgery? Yikes. Um, uh, Jack's the main character. He's the audience surrogate. They named him Jack Shepard Mm -hmm. on purpose because Jack is the most like generic name. And Shepard is like, to Shepard people also like kind of has that Jesus Christ element to it. Jesus Christ superstar element. Jack. Jack. He's running around trying to help people in this crash. Yeah, because how, how does the show open up? He's lying down in a forest and a dog wakes him up. Yep, and he like is disoriented, and you're like, "Who's this guy? Why is he dressed in a suit? Why is he, uh, you know, waking up in this bamboo forest? What's going on?" And he like walks out of the forest and sees on the beach half a plane and chaos. Yep. So, and and I think this speaks to Jack's character as he he's disoriented for a second. And as soon as he see, starts seeing like people in need, he like jumps into action. Like yeah. Jack is a man of action. He's a like. A natural leader, mm-hmm. and that's why I think a lot of people like defer to his judgment on stuff. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's so. That's like one of those like character arcs that is like, I don't know, man. I'm quick to action. Don't put me in charge of anything, though. <laughs> you remind me a lot of Jack in that way. You need to shut your whole face hole. <laughs> Absolutely not. So you heard it from that clip. Jack like runs to uh, a, a pregnant woman who's on the beach who is like experience contractions and mm-hmm. like he's like oh my gosh there's a vulnerable pregnant woman standing next to like this burning Jet fuel plane. flames yeah. let's get her out of here you know make sure one the baby's okay baby's yeah. okay make sure the mother's okay <laughs> yeah both of those things <laughs> and then he yells at another guy and is like give you know he, he does this from like basically the, the first 10 minutes like mm-hmm. ordering people yeah. around like hey and giving instructions hey go do this help this person out like he's yeah, but I mean, that's also not necessarily like, oh, I'm in charge, so listen to me. That's like one of those things you do in a hectic situation because everybody is so confused about something. If you give somebody direct tasks to do and they do it, it calms the chaos because they're like, I can focus on this and do this. And then two things are out of the way. Well, you can do a bunch of stuff. But not not everyone does that. Like, you know, it's a fight or flight situation. Like Jack's a fighter, you know, like he's he's going to give their direction. You know, he's he's taking action where some of these people are just like, Standing, out. screaming in place. I was like, what is that girl doing? What? What? Huh. <laughs> it was very upsetting. I just think it's funny that like Jack, like within the, the kayfabe of the show, right? Like mm. Jack being this type of guy, mm-hmm. like makes him a main character, you know? Main character energy. He, he inserts himself in there as a main character. And it's, it's kind of funny. Like the show has meta moments sometimes because... Mm. Like, it's clear who the main characters are because that's, like, the camera focuses on these. Yeah. It's, like, these ten people. They're the main characters yeah. of the show. Everyone else, like, does not matter. Yeah. You know, and, like, there's just, like, randos in the background constantly that are just, like, there for yeah. the ride. They're like, I'm here in Hawaii. <laughs> and it, I guess, like, there had been some, like, fan feedback mm-hmm. at some point saying, like, how come the, there's just, like, these randos we keep seeing in the background that don't do anything or mm-hmm. say anything? So in season three... Lindelof and Q's wrote a pair of characters that were like they referred to them as red shirts mm-hmm. and they were called oh, Nikki wow. and Paolo and like they're just kind of like remember me you know <laughs> like they're just like characters that ex- like they start addressing the main characters as if they know them and it's mm. like we've been here the whole time what are you talking about you know yeah and the problem is it was so jarring that the 
the fans rejected them. Mm-hmm. They were like, we hate Nikki and Paolo. They oh, no. suck. Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> they they act like they've been here the whole time, but it's like, who who are these people? Yeah. And it's like, hello, fellow teenagers. <laughs> type of thing. It's like, hello, fellow main cast members. We're Nikki and Paolo. Yeah, that probably is. So it sucks so bad that they got killed. <laughs> Oh, no. Killed off in the funniest way possible. They do keep killing off the children. They were buried alive. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So I was sitting here thinking. I was like, oh, I think you told me about this. There's like Snoop Dogg Passenger, but that's from... That's that's from (laughs) Scrubs. That's Scrubs. (laughs) Scrubs did it the right way. Like, make jokes about extras in the background and slowly introduce them as endearing funny characters. Here, Nikki and Paolo were literally just, hey, remember me? (laughs) It's like, no, who are you? Did it, did they come up to them first? Because I'm like, even I'm sitting here like as a writer, I'd be like what you would probably, you would have like Jack or Kate or Sawyer, the only names I know would be like, hey, Paolo, come over here. Uh, Can you do X, Y, and Z? Uh, That might have happened, but they're just like, who's that? Yeah. You know, it's, it just didn't work. Yeah. It was clunky. And it's, that's the thing. It's like Lost is not a perfect show. Far yeah. from it. But yeah. that's, it's one of those funny things that like makes you think about like the making of a television show. Yeah. Sorry. Let's let's talk more characters. Who do you, who's, who's the second lead? Catherine. That'd be Kate. I think she is Catherine, by the way. Ha! Huh. Excuse me. Did you ever use a needle? What? Did you ever patch a pair of jeans? I, um, I made the drapes in my apartment. That's fantastic. Listen, do you have a second? I could use a little help here. Help with what? With this. Look, I do it myself. I'm a doctor, but I just can't you reach you. You to sew that up. It's just like the drapes. Same no, thing. No, with the drapes, it's a sewing machine. No, you can do this, I'm telling you. If you wouldn't mind. So Jack sees Kate walking around, and he's, like, kind of off on his own, trying to sew up a giant gash he has on his side but he can't mm. reach so he asks kate to sew him up yeah and that's uh the what you call a meat cute it is what you would call a meat cute because uh that's like the big you know like will they won't they of the show mm. like will jack and kate get together right you know? and it's an on again off again relationship there's only so many options on an island yeah and kate kate has Hollow? <laughs> i think kate has like I think generally it's just the triangle for Kate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's the it's it's Jack or Kate or Sawyer and Kate. Mm-hmm. That's the big love triangle for Kate. Yeah, it becomes a love quadrangle later when well, there's two love quadrangles because uh, is Isaid in one of them? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, Michelle Rodriguez shows up on the show as another like more survivors of Oceanic Eight Fifteen. She was she was mm-hmm. on the tail section. That landed elsewhere on the island. Got it. But she shows up and she's part of a love quadrangle with Jack and Sawyer and Kate. Which one does she like? All Sawyer of them? and Jack. Oh, dang it. I was yeah. hoping you were going to say Sawyer and Kate. No. That would have yeah, That would have been interesting, but I think maybe a little too progressive for this show. Yeah. Hey, uh, fan fiction. <laughs> and then there was another character who was introduced way later named Juliet, who was also part of the quadrangle. Because, That's dumb. Because Michelle Rodriguez died. No, because she Spoilers. had to go back to Spoilers. Fast and Furious franchise. Ma- maybe, yeah. Yeah, so they're, like, I think it's so freaking funny that Evangeline Lilly keeps getting cast in projects that involve a love uh, triangle. Uh. I think she, when she was cast in uh, The Hobbit, mm-hmm. she told the writers, no love triangles, please. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no problem. And then problem. Peter Jackson like, you know, had production problems and they had to reshoot. And part of the reshoots involved adding a love triangle to mm. the plot. 
I was like, it's in my contract not to, so I guess you're going to have to reshoot everything. And Bye then, now. And then Evangeline Lilly gave us the best movie quote of all time. Why does it hurt so much? Because you were betrayed by your contract. <laughs> I say, why does it hurt so much? Often. Very often. Very often. He's always hurting, kids. Aren't we all? Yes. <laughs> Speaking of hurting, in the side. Jack, hey, there, there's that Jesus Christ uh, ah. parallel. He was he was struck in the side by bamboo, mm. you know, just like Jesus was pierced on the side. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, anyway, anyway there. She helps to sew him up. Yep, she sews him up like a drape. Get a little bit of uh, Jack uh, expository uh, philosophizing. Yeah. You don't seem afraid at all. I don't understand that. Well. Fear is sort of an odd thing. When I was in residency, my first solo procedure was a spinal surgery on a 16-year-old kid, a girl. And at the end, after 13 hours, I was closing her up, and I, I accidentally ripped her girl sack. And the terror was just so crazy, so real. And I knew I had to deal with it. So I just made a choice. I'd let the fear in, let it take over, let it do its thing. But only for five seconds, that's all I was gonna give it. So I started to count. One, two, three, four, five. And it was gone. I went back to work, sewed her up, and she was fine. What are you going to do when you have to edit that? That's fine. I already <laughs> had to cut the clip. That, that's a, that, Part of that quote uh, grosses me out. <laughs> I took my headphones off. But uh, it was a long clip, but I think it's a good. Like some of the best character work of this pilot episode, you know? Like I think it's kind of interesting for a big disaster, big budget show. You know, it's like they allowed themselves to have little quiet moments where the characters just talk yeah. for a little while. You know, it's just, it's nice. You know, and it makes the show feel more filmic. Yeah. I will say, I think it is it is definitely a very interesting, like, not just character thing, but like, oh, that's, hmm. I don't know. When I mean, like, it's, for me, everybody's built different. Um, but, like, the idea to give yourself any time to feel that that fear before or in the moment is wild to me. You press that crap down until you're through. You will not, for me, I was like, I can't. Once it starts, five seconds, I, I've lost control of it. It's like you press it down, you deal with that later, all alone on the beach while you're trying to sew yourself up. <laughs> Hardcore. No. <laughs> Mediocre. Um, speaking of that, that love triangle thing, it's like the people who are big into Jack and Kate, you know what they were called? Jakes. Jaders. Jaders. And then the Sawyers and Kates were the skaters. Skaters. And if if I'm remembering correctly, on the Lost podcast, Lindelof and Q's said that f Jaders would send them sewing kits <laughs> to convince them to keep Jack and Kate together. Wow. <laughs> and I don't know if this is true, but they said skaters send them skateboards. <laughs> that's way more expensive. They definitely should have gone with that. So that's that. why I think that was a joke. Yeah. Um... I wonder, have the cast ever talked about, like, I wonder, uh, even though, like, Evangeline Lilly, is that her name, mm -hmm. was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I have more acting chops than being stuck between, 
I wonder if her having known, like, played her character for so long and knowing her character, if she was like, uh, Kate, honestly, in the end, probably would have leaned leaned towards X or Z. I'm not sure. That's that's an interesting take, right? Like, because yeah. you know that when you're playing somebody for so long, right? Eventually, Lily also like this is like one of her very very first big starring roles, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, she, I think she in years since has talked about like her inexperience and how she was allowed she allowed people to like push bound like they they pushed her into situations she wouldn't have done mm-hmm. as a seasoned actor right so for example like she talked about like i hate the love triangle stuff but also it's like you know if i was a more experienced actress i would have pushed back on having to take my shirt off so often yeah so it's like that that's an unfortunate thing with kate all the time it's like She's constantly bathing or like changing mm. on camera. I'm really glad that we've moved to this place of having uh, intis- intimacy coordinators on sets yeah. uh, for things like this to negotiate stuff because like there are people who don't know how to advocate for themselves and having someone that is specifically there to advocate to be like, no, you don't have to do that. You look uncomfortable. No, no, you look uncomfortable. Let's really talk through this, you know? Yeah. Mm. But also, it's, uh, you know, it sounds like she had fun too because she, I think, was somebody who insisted on doing some of her own stunts you know that's pretty like cool. hey i want to climb that tree yeah you know I, I and so i was like you know that's that's fun that's fun i'm gonna climb that tree Any, anything else you want to say about jack or kate like they're the two main characters nope that's really all they do this episode they sew each other up and walk into a forest yeah we'll talk about their adventure in a second but mm-hmm. let's meet more characters who want to meet next not sawyer you only see him light up a cigarette you see yeah, nothing we'll talk else. sawyer at the end because he doesn't do anything in part one harley Hurley. So, I was just looking inside the fuselage. It's pretty grim in there. You think we should do something about the, uh, B-O-D-Y-S? What are you spelling, man? Bodies? B-O-D-I-E-S. That sounds like a good idea. Hurley, big lovable guy. Uh, We learned about, yeah, he's he's an unlucky guy. Yeah, he didn't expect that full-on 10-year-old to know how to spell yeah bodies you got the thing is uh you have to like hurley's just kind of like uh like a lovable simpleton in some ways you know it's like Mm -hmm. you know it's just like the way he is you know Mm. sorry you saying that i was like oh yeah whatever it's a character i was like that's a little rude but it's a character it's not a person but then my brain went back to like he auditioned they're like we're gonna build a character just for you a simpleton well no no he 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 doesn't look like a movie star. It's mm-hmm. like Matthew Fox is and Evangeline Lilly. It's like they're two beautiful people, you mm-hmm. know, like that are like traditionally attractive movie, television star people, you mm-hmm. know, like Jack has a continue like just constant five he, shower. He has shadow? a constant five o'clock shadow, you know, mm-hmm. like he he's, you know, muscular, you know, and fit, you know, and Kate is, you know, just like a movie star looker, you know. Mm hmm. You know, even like uh, Sawyer, played by Josh Holloway, is just like, yeah, you look like a, like a model, you know. Mm-hmm. Hurley is just a big, heavy dude yeah. with long hair that, like, he had already. Like, mm-hmm. he do- he looks like more like an everyman than everyone else on the show. Yeah, like he looks like the type of guy. You know, that you would just see out in the world somewhere. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Just be- I feel like when we were watching it, I had said this. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I said it. But I was like, Jack, no offense to my guy who will never listen to this. He's not really attractive. Matthew Fox? Yeah. He's traditionally attractive. I guess. I just maybe for me, 
I don't, <laughs> I don't see it. And I'm like, okay. But I was like, Hurley has beautiful curly hair and he's got really pretty eyes. And I was like, oh no, like I would like say like more attractive, like facially. And then I really don't remember what Sawyer looks like. You only see him in a little bit, but I kind of remember he has a really great jawline, but I don't really like blonde men. So <laughs> like, I'm like, I mean, of the three, the person that I would like look at for longer and be like, okay, but I'm married and that would be the end of it would probably be Hurley. So, but, but I get it. I get what you're saying. I get yeah. what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It's funny. Like, especially like, basically from like, you know, the first two seasons, it's like these people, like they, there's no, there are mysteries on the show, but the first two seasons in particular about them, like, Hey, we got to survive on this Island. We're like trying to build a raft and mm. trying to get a radio working. We're, you know, we're trying to like just survive on this Island together. Right. Mm hmm. And throughout the first two seasons, it's like everyone starts hooking up with each other. Yeah. Like Survivor. I, I don't know if they do that. I'm thinking like the real world maybe. Oh, yeah. I think you're thinking about the real world. But like, yeah, they start pairing mm -hmm. off. Like obviously Jack and Kate like are an item for a little bit. You mm -hmm. know, like other characters find people. And I think Hurley, you have to start like considering it's like, hey, Hurley, you know, he's he needs love too. Right. Mm -hmm. So like Hurley at some point is given a love interest. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, and Hurley has character arts where he's worried about his weight. and. Mm -hmm. You know, certain things like that. So they, they give Hurley a lot to do. And Jorge Garcia is such a, like, likable person. Mm -hmm. Like, he has a, he's a very charismatic. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like, Hurley is naturally likable. Yeah. I, as you, okay. <sighs> We're not talking about the show. And I'm not talking about because I don't want it to be unhealthy or anything. But, like, some stuff with survival things like this, that things that, like, take me out a little bit. Like, when I was watching... Walking Dead, which did not last long. Um, there was like silly little things where I was like, everyone's so clean shaven in the end of the world. These women need more hair on their legs because if I'm running for my life, I'm not, I don't care about shaving. Or like, I don't know what the food situation is like or anything, but I was just like, one, I'm not being like, oh, uh, Jorge, you need to lose weight. <laughs> like, because I'm not saying it like that, but I was like, oh man, but you're trapped on an island for a very long time. I don't, I didn't continue watching. I don't know that the show, it was like, maybe they find a bunch of food supply or something like that. But I'm like, I don't know. Like, it, I, if part of it is like, is that realistic? <laughs> you know? Well, I, they, they do call attention to that. They're yeah. Like, hey, Hurley, like, how come you haven't lost any weight? And he's been hoarding food. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. And um, also, just to double back a little bit, when I was talking about handsome men on the show, it's like, if we're saying traditionally handsome, I'm like, oh, you mean white. So I didn't count. Whoa. So I didn't count any. That's what when if you're talking about Hollywood and like how people are cast, traditionally handsome means European and white. Well, no, like Harold Perrineau is also a traditionally attractive man. Which one's Harold? Michael, the the dad. No, again, yes, I I agree, but I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm just like names. <laughs> um, I it's not that I disagree, but I was like, I know I didn't say the other people in in like the other men in there. I was we're not trying to rank a bunch of things. And then also I don't know names, but just between those three is why I was saying. I don't know why I'm explaining that to you. Mostly because I was like, no, there are other people who are far more handsome than any of these three guys on this island. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I'm not yeah. going to argue with you. Yeah. No, I'm, you're I'm not. I'm just saying like Hurley is not traditionally attractive, even though, you know, people find him attractive. I mean, yeah. Okay. We agree. Yeah. The word traditional is weird. <laughs> But the thing I think, he, unfortunately, now is like anytime he's cast in anything, he's just Hurley. Oh, uh, yeah. He's trapped in Hurley. Oh, yeah. That is typecasting is the worst. Well, I mean, they wrote it for him. So it's like he is kind of Hurley, mm -hmm. like, you know, physically. Mm -hmm. So it's like 
What what can that guy do now? You know, yeah. He's always going to be Hurley. Weezer released an album that was called Hurley, and it was just a picture of his face. <laughs> Good job, I guess. Anyway. Oh. Anyway. Who do you want to talk about next? Um, Drug guy. Charlie. Charlie. I really was saying Sebastian in my head. I'm glad I didn't do that. Can I ask you something? Me? I'd be thrilled. I've been waiting. Have you ever met anywhere? No. That would be unlikely. Hmm. That looks familiar, though, right? Yeah. <sighs> can't quite place it. No, I can't. Yeah. I think I know. You do? You all, everybody! You all, everybody! You never heard that song? I've heard it. I just don't know what the That's hell it is. Has... Drive Shaft. Look, the ring. Second tour of Finland. You never heard of Drive Shaft? The band. Yeah, the band. You were in Drive Shaft. I am in Drive Shaft. I play bass. Serious? Yeah. Charlie. Track three, you know, I do backing vocals. My friend Beth would freak. She loves you guys. Yeah. Give me Beth's number. I'll call her. I'd, I'd love to. Does she live nearby? You ever heard of Drive Shaft? You all, everybody! You all, everybody! <laughs> the singing sounds like you doing a bit. <laughs> it, it does. So Charlie is a member of a British band uh, called Drive Shaft. And uh, I, I, now that I know this, I'm like, oh, they're a Britpop band. They're, they're like mm. an Oasis type Britpop band. And you hate Britpop. And so like the 90s are over, like their their career is faded. And now Charlie's kind of like this washed up uh, rock star. Drive Shaft, like, they, st they sound like just like a one hit wonder. Like they had the one song, mm. You All Everybody. And then. Uh, did you hear the song at any point in the show? Did they yes. write a song? Yes, they did. <laughs> did you go back and listen to it and be like, yep, that's Britpop and I hate it? Uh, yeah, sort of. <laughs> One could say we're ending the show with it. Oh, no. Or the segment, at least. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, so Charlie, unfortunately, you know, be, being a rock star so young, he picked up some habits. Uh, so he is addicted to heroin throughout the run of the show. It's a big deal for him. You know, it's like yeah. his main thing. How does a, you know, a rock star druggie, you know, exist on this deserted island? You know, how does he confront withdrawals and you know, the need for heroin and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He also like, he snorts heroin, which is weird. <laughs> That's not how you heroin. No, <laughs> but like, we know this from Google guys. I think on the lost podcast, Damon Lindelof was like, it's, it's a convenience thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, he even said, he's like the only person I've ever seen in media snort heroin is, uh, Mia Wallace in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. <laughs> and she dies immediately <laughs> or she almost dies. She goes, yeah, like, she yeah. definitely ODs. Yeah. She ODs. And he goes, but at the same time, it's like we can't have him like, you know, having to get the spoon out and, yeah. and, and injecting the heroin every time he needs to shoot up. So, yeah, let's just have him snort it. Why it's couldn't you just say it was cocaine then? I I don't know. I didn't write the show. I also. But they had to have him like hide it in little baggies. So, yeah, he, he has a little bit of heroin left. Got it. We only know how to do drugs from Google Kids. <laughs> yeah. In, in Breaking Bad. No, in Breaking Bad. Media has taught us a lot. Um, okay. Yep. And anything else about Charlie? He's yeah. uh, he's a very tall man. Yeah, he's not. No. <laughs> he's, he's a hobbit. A, he's a scary. She's a scaredy cat. Nah. Is he? Yeah, I think so. He's okay. shifty. Like you don't know he's on drugs in this first episode. He's mm -hmm. really shifty though, because like he he wants to go with Jack and Kate to on an adventure. He wants to go to find the pilot and find the front of the plane. Be and, and we find out later it's because Charlie 
was trying to flush his heroin in the toilet when he was found out right before the plane crash. So right. he stashed all his heroin in the bathroom in front in the front of the plane. So, so it makes sense for him to want to go on search for the it. front of the plane because he wants to get it. And he does. Gotta get his drugs. Gotta get them drugs. Where are the drugs, Denny? What kind of drugs, Denny? <laughs> yeah, this is a bet for Charlie though. Like, you know, he's he's one of those long running characters on the show. Mm. You know, he's there for a long time. Yep. Yeah, he is, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh and then Isaid. Saeed? I, I only know that name because I went to school with Indy Saeed. No, just Saeed. Oh, it's Saeed? Just Saeed. Wow, then I don't even know his name. Hey, you. What's your name? Me? Charlie. Charlie? We need help with the fire. No one will see it if it isn't big. Okay, I'm on it. What's your name? Saeed. Saeed, I'm on it, Saeed. So Saeed is, uh, he's another, like, one of those guys who asserts himself as a main character. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he knows what he's doing. You could tell it's like, oh, man, this guy's a survivalist. He's making fires and giving people instructions and stuff like that. Sweet. Saeed is a very likable character. Yeah. And so here's here. Okay. I got one clip from part two because I really like this exchange. Okay. And uh, in this scene, they've uh, brought back the uh, the transponder or transceiver from the front of the plane. Mm-hmm. And it's not working. So Saeed uh, volunteers to try and get it working again. Right. I didn't know how to do all that. I was a military communications officer. Oh, yeah? You ever see battle? I fought in the Gulf War. No way. I got a buddy fought over there. He was in the 104th Airborne. What are you, Air Force? Army? The Republican Guard. And that is Saeed revealing to Hurley that he was, he's Iraqi. Yeah. Which is super interesting in 2004 yeah i think it was very smart and interesting for the writers to say hey we want an iraqi on this plane yeah and, and also, he's not the reason that cut that <laughs> cut that i just like it's a good like in the like yeah he's here and he's for people and like he wants to help to get everyone home and he was not the cause of this terrible thing but i guarantee that the writers played on Fears of the time. It's like, oh my gosh, a plane crash and there was an Iraqi on the plane. There are definitely some viewers, especially because half the show is like revealing what actually happened in these people's lives before the plane crash Mm -hmm. and up to the plane crash. Mm -hmm. People, I'm sure there were viewers at home who thought that Saeed guy, I don't trust him. So here's they're playing on fears and anxieties and prejudices of the of 2004 uh, of 2004 Americans. Yeah. This is upsetting for a number of reasons, but the biggest reason being, yet again, you said there were three characters and people came in to read for those characters and they said, you know what? I think we're going to cast you. Well, no, no, I don't think so. Saeed actually, I think, was one of those exceptions where they they didn't, they, I think, wanted, they knew they wanted to have a Middle Eastern character on the plane. Mm -hmm. So they... Somebody had worked with Naveen Andrews, who plays Saeed, elsewhere, and said, "Oh, my Naveen's great, was and he he's a great mu- actor." Was he in the Mummy? I don't know. Was he? <laughs> the The only thing I know of he, when he was a teenager, he starred in a little uh, TV show called Buddha of Suburbia. <laughs> okay. Oh uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a British guy, so he's doing an accent here. What's his name? Naveen Andrews. Oh, he was in Eight Cents. That's that. Uh, that's forever from now. I don't know. I'm gonna look through it. I'm not as good of a looker as you. 
He was in Rollerball. Either way, it's so funny. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this research and talking about the show. I'm reminded of like where all these characters go throughout the run of, the, of Lost, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Saeed is such a cool character. You know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking back to his whole arc and I was like, yeah, I really like Saeed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's just some characters on this show where I'm just like, man, I really like that character. You know, mm-hmm. Charlie's a good character, but I don't like like Charlie. You know, I wouldn't want to hang out with Charlie. Fair. Saeed, I'd hang out with Saeed. I'd hang yeah. out with Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, to, to. What about Pablo? <laughs> What's that his name? I don't it's know. Paolo. 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 No, no, no. Bury him. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Because a chump. He's a jobber. They really did <laughs> cast a couple jobbers. Um, talking about the implications of having an Iraqi on a downed plane. Uh, I, I want to play another clip from episode or part two from part two. Did you know I was going to ask that question? No. <laughs> okay. But this seemed appropriate. Also, I need to introduce Sawyer. So okay. here we go. Think of this friend. You want some more, me boy? Tell everyone what you told me. Tell them that I crashed the plane. Go on. Tell them I made the plane crash. Buddy, what is going on? What's going on? Look, my kid found these in the jungle, and this guy was sitting in the back row of business class the whole flight. Never got up. Hands folded underneath the blanket, and for some reason, just pointing this out. The guy I saw next to him didn't Thank make it. Thank you so much for observing my behavior. You don't think I saw him pull you out Give of line before we board him? Oh, come on, bring it! So it's like the show knew what it was doing. So uh, even Sawyer, uh, who I'll talk about in a second, this, you know, uh, sleazy con man, is also a racist. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not surprising. No. Like, Sawyer's not a good person. They're not unconnected. And he redeems himself. Like, that's the thing. I think, like, he's probably got the biggest redemption arc of the show, mm-hmm. you know, because he, like, learns to be more selfless and, and, and everything, you know, mm. and, and understanding. And, like, he's actually, like, he becomes a good person. Like, honestly, more of a hero than Jack is. Like, him and Jack almost have, like, a double turn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But but before this, here we go. Sawyer, like, you know, being racist, calling <laughs> out. Saying the thing out loud. Saying the quiet part aloud. And then also, like, through the writing of the show, suddenly revealing that it's, like, you know, commenting on the racism of society. Yeah. It's, like, you didn't think i you don't think i saw them uh pull you out of line before we boarded and it's just like yeah unfortunately that would be something that would happen yeah that's stupid yeah or saeed uh uh and this is like saeed might be one of the most honorable people on that plane yeah i don't know much i think he has a wife and daughter and that's all i no, know he's he's got a like a a, a long lost love that okay. he's searching for Cool. And she was in Australia, and that's why he was there to go visit her or something. I can't remember if she passed away while he was there. Hmm. Something happened. Like, they'd been separated for so long, and then he found her, you know. Yeah. That's why he was in Australia at the time. Because ha- most of season one is revealing why each of the characters was in Australia. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Oceanic Flight A15 is flying from Australia to the U.S., from mm-hmm. to Los Angeles. So all of the in all of these characters were in Australia for... For some reason, and now they're all flying back to L.A. And right. The show is like, well, what were they doing there? Mm-hmm. You know, and they're all doing something interesting in Australia at the time. Mm-hmm. And the the, uh, the writer said we want an international cast on right. purpose. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I probably will never actually watch the show because <laughs> this sounds like too much for me. But uh, okay, I guess we're talking about Sawyer then. Sawyer. So I don't have any other clips for Sawyer, but I do. 
because I I remembered this story from watching the DVD featurettes, mm-hmm. and I I found it on YouTube. Josh Holloway, who plays Sawyer, tells a story of how he was cast. Mm-hmm. So he auditioned for the character Sawyer, right. who at the time was more like a slick suit wearing mm-hmm. con man. And Josh Holloway, you know, he's got the accent. He's kind of a rugged dude. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really fit that type, right? But he tells the story of his audition, and I thought it was very interesting. I go to do the reading for J.J. and Damon, and on the breakdown it said, Slick City Con Man, and he's from Buffalo. You want to know about me? Oh, yeah. Sure, if you like. I was born in Pittsburgh. Father died when I was two, mother when I was four. Moved, Buffalo. Lived with my aunt and uncle. She sat around on a fat ass all day while he ran scams. About halfway through it, I got stuck. Couldn't figure it out, so I just kicked a chair into the wall. And uh, then it all came back to me, so I finished out the monologue, and I think that's probably what got me the job. They were like, ooh, yeah, we're looking for a salty kind of guy like that. So he just kicked a chair during his audition, and that got him the job. Okay, so I'm going to do that in my next job interview. <laughs> I'm going to kick a chair into a wall. Do you I'm think just... I could get it? Well, he definitely made an impression. You know what I mean? I thought that was funny. You know, yeah. and and it created like it informed the character that mm-hmm. he would play where he's like not a slick smooth talking con man he's more of like a grizzly you know hot tempered yeah uh type of guy mm. you know who who can clean himself up to play a con man he could be suave but generally he's just like you know kind of rugged got it and that's that's sawyer we, we don't learn too much about him in these first two episodes we but. don't in part one, you, you see him light a cigarette and he walks across the frame. That's it. <laughs> the dad? Michael? Yeah. And his son? Yeah. What's his son's name? Winton. Walt! That's Walt. Like, like freaking Michael, uh, I'm sure half his lines are shouting Walt. Got it. Especially towards the end of season one where he's just shouting Walt continually. <laughs> oh, by the way, this is also a clip from... Uh, Part two, because again, it's it's it was hard to find good introduction clips for these characters. Right. But uh, here's Walt and uh, Michael from part two. Hey, what did I tell you after everything that's happened? I thought maybe Vincent would be. I around. told you to stay on the beach. It's so close to the beach. I thought this would be Don't okay. Don't do that. You listen to me. I mean what I said. You understand? Yep. That's kind of like their dynamic. You know, Walt. He's like a free spirit. He does his own thing. He doesn't mm-hmm. listen to his dad. And Michael is constantly having to like correct correct him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Parent, basically. Yeah, but you learn that like Michael is his biological father, mm-hmm. but he did not raise Walt. Mm-hmm. His mom did. Got it. In Australia. Yes. Ah. And oh, I, I have another clip from part two. This is just Walt sharing his backstory. Give me a sec. You play checkers with your pop? No. I live in Australia with my mom. You have no accent. Yeah, I know. We move a lot. She got sick. She died a couple of weeks ago. You're having a bad month. I guess. Is the secret that he killed his mom? No. Okay. No, but Walt's mom uh, sent a letter to Michael saying, I am dying of the cancer. Please come pick up your son. 
Fair. So Michael now has to parent a child he barely knows. Yeah. Uh, At least he wasn't there for. And also have to take care of him on an island. Yeah. So he's like trying to take the dad role seriously, but Walt doesn't respect him. Mm-hmm. That's fair, I guess. Ooh. It's a decent character arc for both of them, you know? The problem is like <laughs> the actor who plays Walt got too old too fast. Yeah. Because he's just a preteen here, but he becomes a full-on teenager by season two. <laughs> or honestly, like, by the start of season two, mm-hmm. he has already become too old and his voice had changed. Oh, wow. So they're like, got to get this kid out of here. Got to get him out of here. Write him out. Have him get abducted by the, the others. By the others? Oh, that sucks. Yep. And then when he comes back, it's like, they gave me they, aging juice? No, basically, they no, they, I think they don't bring him back until, like, season five. Oh, uh. Well, did the kid do any other work at least? I don't know. I don't know what he's up to. I also but, uh, didn't. Michael, Harold Perrineau, again, this is also came out in that that chapter of that book that mm-hmm. was released. Um, Harold Perrineau at that point, it's like, hey, your, your, your character, Michael, his big relationship was just written off the show. Mm-hmm. Partly because the kid was too old. Yeah. What do we do with your character? And I think to his dissatisfaction, they didn't have Mike. They didn't have a lot to do for Michael. Mm hmm. So he pushed back on Carlton Q specifically and said, mm-hmm. hey, hold on. I'm a I'm a black single father mm-hmm. and my son was just abducted. Why is Michael not more concerned about this? Yeah. He's concerned, but not in the way that me, a black man, would know him to be. Yeah. So I, I can't speak for that, but it sounds like from Harold Perrineau's perspective, the writers weren't doing enough to make michael's reaction to having his child abducted mm-hmm. more realistic to his experience they really said deadbeat <laughs> and when he tried to express himself to the writers they took that as insubordination mm. or uh like disrespect like how dare you tell us how to write our show mm-hmm. and he from his perspective he was punished mm. and written off the show yeah so i don't know their side of the story because they either completely uh you know we're spineless like damon lindelof is like well i'm sorry you felt that way Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't don't know i don't remember that you know or uh maybe they had their own reasons they didn't comment on but uh yeah from harold parano's perspective it didn't sound very good yeah sucks yep and it's it kind of sucks because it's like having a father and son on the island you know who have a troubled relationship that's an interesting decision but like they don't really do like i don't remember them doing a whole lot with it yeah. you know other than it's kind of like one note here mm-hmm. it's like what you just heard about michael like you got to listen to me you understand mm-hmm. that's kind of like that's it for yeah. the whole season you know and like we learned about their backstory but like they don't really go through a whole lot of change yeah. in that season yeah that sucks like there, there's definitely a lot you can do with it i don't know man i don't know yeah, so I don't know. There's not much I can comment on other than the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And, and Walt Walt wants his dog Vincent, which is the Labrador that keeps running around. I mean, that's like even that is an interesting thing. Like, hey, the only thing that I know that is familiar is this dog. <laughs> yeah. And you learn that I said Walt's a special boy. It's like he has like some kind of spiritual energy around him, mm-hmm. you know, that they allude to. But one, I think because the actor was getting too old, they mm-hmm. couldn't elaborate on it directly. Yeah. So that became like. The island is spiritual or, mm-hmm. you know, supernatural in some way. And Walt has a natural connection with the supernatural. So it was Walt's fault. The the playing, the, the, the island felt Walt coming across it in the sky and pulled the plane down. No, I, I think it was more like it was uh, 
fate for all of them. They all needed the island. Mm-hmm. The island. I think it's like, you know, fate versus that, that's another thing. It's like fate versus chance is a big theme in the show, you mm-hmm. know, and, and science versus faith is a big theme of the show. So it's like, were they all destined based on where they were at in life to, to land on this island? Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and it was Walt destined to be there because of his connection with the spiritual realms. Maybe. Right. Um, and so him connecting with this dog who's like, you know, like I think animals on the show also kind of represent that like connection between the the spiritual, supernatural and the physical that we all inhabit, you know. And that's so why Vincent's kind of like that bridge. So Walt having a connection with Vincent also shows he has connection with the supernatural around him. Mm, OK. And that's why everyone calls him a special boy. Weird. <laughs> I thought you were just saying that, but people call him a special boy. Yeah. That's weird. Your, your son is very special. That's weird. <laughs> and who do you want to talk about next? Uh, young, dumb, and rich kids. Okay. Well, we got to meet Boone first because that's actually one of the first characters that Jack meets. Okay. When Jack is out there saving lives during the plane Look, crash. Look, if, if you've got a, a list of how you want to go through this, just do it, no. sir. Well, I don't well, know I'm, anyone's name. I'm just jumping back. I don't know who a Boone is. Boone is, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hear him. Stop. Head's not tilted far back enough. You're blowing air into her stomach. Sure? That's exactly what I was doing. I'm a lifeguard. I'm licensed. Yeah, well, you need to seriously think about giving that license back. Maybe we should do one of those whole things. You know, stick the pen on the throat. Yeah, good idea. You go get me a pen. And this is why you give tasks to idiots in a chaos situation. (laughs) And Boone is an idiot. Get out of my way. Yep, go do that thing. Go find something while we take care of this. Boone sucks. I hate Boone. He's also the first character to die in the show. Well deserved. Aww. <laughs> Spoilers. I mean, that's fair. I've definitely watched shows where I was like, why isn't this person dying sooner? Like, Boone, him and his sister are on the island together. They're two rich kids. Young, dumb, and rich. They're d- young, dumb, and rich. And uh, Boone, I think, like, thinks himself as like more resourceful than he is Mm -hmm. and like when he is cut down and shown that like no you're an idiot you don't know what you're doing he like takes that personally and like is trying to become a legitimate survivalist he's trying to learn like uh one of the older members of the cast who we haven't really met yet uh takes boone under his wing to teach Mm -hmm. him how to survive right and i'm like that's interesting like he has a bit of an arc but also he sucks (laughs) like i just I don't like, they're just unlikable characters. I mm. don't like Boone and I don't like his sister Shannon. Yeah. As if I'm gonna start it in chocolate. Shannon, we may be here for a while. The plane had a black box idiot. They know exactly where we are, they're coming. I'll eat on the rescue boat. I'll eat on the rescue boat. And Shan's, Shannon is written to be unlikable. Yeah, she was the one who was just standing and screaming in the middle of the wreckage. Like, not not like crouched and like fearful, just like standing and screaming in, in place, just swiveling back and forth, screaming like, sir, like, like you're like yelling for the help. Like, I was like, what is she doing? What are you doing? Move away from the fire at the very least. Anyway. And uh, like she tans. She just like, you know, gets in her bikini and tans while everyone else is like, you know, helping trying to survive, move around and yeah, get food, gather food, you know, rummage for supplies. Mm -hmm. It's like Shannon is useless and she gets called out for it. And uh, she like never stops being useless. Like 
her I, I think like maybe maybe there are episodes where they try to like show her like, oh no, you need to like, you know, be more selfless and mm-hmm. you know, help and contribute and, and her and Boone are constantly arguing. Um, but like she sucks. Yeah. And she sticks around for longer than she should, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And she's given like romantic subplots with characters that seem like completely incompatible with this mm. like rich idiot. Yeah. She's like a Paris Hilton type, honestly, in a lot of ways. Like she gives me that vibe. Okay. Uh, if you can, someone we've met already on on our quest here. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you think would be the least likely for her to date on this island? Michael. She does not date Michael. Good. That is the least likely. Okay. Think of another <laughs> one. Said. Said. Said and Shannon have a romantic relationship. Weird. It is so weird, awkward. Uh, they have like no chemistry. Yeah. I was like, what were they thinking? Saeed's got more sense than this. That's. He's traumatic. Like, he's traumatized. You know, he's like, he lost his love and he's like, oh, yeah. This girl's a good stand in. No. She's not. <laughs> anyway, yeah. They're just two idiots, you know, and they're kind of foils for more of the active members of the show. Mm hmm. Okay. I, I, I can't say other I mean like their characters are there yeah. in those clips. Shannon's a spoiled brat and Boone is like also a spoiled brat, but like has more sense. Mm-hmm. A bit more sense. A bit. At least he knows that they yeah. should eat. <laughs> and he's like he wants I think he wants to contribute. Mm-hmm. But he's also ill equipped to do so. And so, it's frustrating him. Yeah. And you, which is why you were happy he died. Yes. Wow. <laughs> How many more? Uh, we got Orange Peel Smile Guy. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I I played a clip from him talking to Walt from part two. I can play the the last bit of that clip. So that's John Locke, who... uh, It's the reason you love the show. Yes, he he got me hooked. His his flashback episode is fantastic. But uh, he's a mysterious character for the first few episodes. You're like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's acting odd. Like he 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 you you said it. He he puts a like an orange peel in his mouth and he's mm-hmm. like eating it and he smiles at Kate. Yeah. And like I think he means it to be endearing, but he just looks kind of creepy. Yeah. So like, he's just like this creepy old guy that Michael doesn't want Walt hanging around with because mm-hmm. he's just it's like we don't know what's this, what's up with this guy. Yes. Backgammon's the oldest game in the world. Archaeologists found sets when they excavated the ruins of ancient Mesopotamia. 5,000 years old. That's older than Jesus Christ. Did they have dice and stuff? But theirs weren't made of plastic. Their dice were made of bones. Cool. Two players, two sides. One is light. One is dark. Walt, do you want to know a secret? We don't know what that secret is. He gives me the Joker vibes. (laughs) I had a nightmare about that last night, by the way. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's a guy. And so like you learn later on, like he's, he's a very learned man. He's an experienced guy. Like Mm -hmm. he knows about survival and knows about like obviously history. Like he's a big history buff. Like that, that that plays into the show a lot, you know? And honestly, you'll be surprised how apropos that like light versus dark theme is Mm -hmm. for the whole show. Like that carries on the, all the way to the end. Uh, Not surprised (laughs) either way. It was like, it's decent writing there Mm -hmm. trying to keep that theme consistent. But, um, he's just mysterious. You don't know what is up with him. Why Mm -hmm. is he acting the way he does? And then, you know, his 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 episode 
specifically like illuminates a lot of that. It's like, why is this guy acting the way he is? But I don't want to spoil that because I think it's one of the better twists of the show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's John Locke. You know, he's just like this old guy. And yeah. uh, he's there basically to the end. Yeah. He's, uh, one, he's one of the pillars of the show. He's a pillar. Stands tall on his uh, on his, on the building blocks of the island. And Terry O'Quinn plays him, and he's, he does a really good job. I think Terry O'Quinn has won awards for his portrayal as John Locke. Nice. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, we got... Rose? You said that name. I don't know who Rose is, though. Oh, I, okay. I don't have a clip of Rose, uh, but I can play a small clip. So one of Lost's gimmicks is um, it uses flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And... In this, every episode, for the most part, every episode has a specific character that it focuses on and it flashes back to their life before the crash. Mm-hmm. In this first episode, we get one flashback to, for one character who is, it's on the plane, flashback to the plane crash. Uh, Jack. Jack on the plane. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the pilot has switched on the fasten seatbelt sign. Please return to your seats and fasten your seatbelts. It's normal. Oh, I know. Just never been a very good flyer. My husband keeps reminding me that planes want to be in the air. Well, he sounds like a very smart man. Be sure and tell him that when he gets back from the bathroom. That was Rose. Ah. Who is this uh, elderly Older black woman? woman. And uh, she uh, is separated from her husband because her husband is in the tail section of the plane using the bathroom. And uh, she's in the fuselage section, mm-hmm. the middle section, I guess, with the main cast here. Mm-hmm. And Jack saves her life. Uh, he's the She's the woman that Boone was trying to give CPR to. Trying to stick a pen in. Yeah. And so J- Jack gave her CPR and brought her back. And uh, so she just spends the first season thinking her husband's dead. Uh, and it's sad. And that's all she's got? <laughs> for, for Yeah, basically yeah. in this season. Yeah. And she's like not main cast. She's like, you know. It's like supporting cast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Then is that it? I don't feel like there's uh, anything miss anyone. Well, there's three characters actually that we have. That I yet. miss? Yes. One, let's meet Claire, who is a pregnant lady. Oh, yeah. Hungry? Yeah. Thanks. Any more, uh, you know, baby stuff? No. I'm, I'm okay. Well, hang in there. Yeah, you too. Claire's pregnant. That's kind of her character. She's like just a sweet lady. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, the writer said, hey, they're all flying back from Australia. So we have to have an Australian in the cast. Yeah. So they cast Emily DeRaven here, play Claire. She's, Was she already pregnant or is that a... No, it's it's a fake Got baby. it. Yeah. <laughs> fake pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, that's an interesting thing. It's like what happens when you have a pregnant woman? Mm-hmm. On this, you know, deserted island, right? What, what, yeah. You know, and so, like, she obviously has to give birth at some point in the show, which she does. Mm-hmm. So she's not only, you know, she, she plays pregnant for the first half of the first season, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, maybe just the first season, and then she gives birth to the baby in the second season. Mm-hmm. And so now she's got a newborn on yeah. this island. What do you do? You know, tra- well, drama. You really hope that you can produce milk. That's what you do. Ugh. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's more like survival stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Claire's Claire's got quite an interesting quest on this whole journey. I had forgotten. I was like, does does Claire survive? What happens in the last season for her? And then I remembered. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they went. <laughs> they did something. 
bad? They made a choice. Oh no! Like, was was it her baby? Is that her secret? Was she a surrogate? Is this someone else's baby? No, no, no. It's her baby. Uh, but uh, she's searching for her baby. <laughs> in, this, in the last season. What? How many years are they in 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 it's, canon? It's a lot of stuff. In canon, how long are they there? How long is Claire on the island? Uh, That's a very specific. How long? There's time travel involved and lost. I'm never watching the show. <laughs> the show sounds not great. Let me just say Squirrel Baby comes into it. <laughs> We're moving on. What are the other people? Two more the, people. I'm surprised you forgot them. Considering Squirrel? what show we're going to watch after the break. Squirrel Baby? Oh, 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 right. Squirrel. The Korean couple. The Koreans. Sun and Jin. Oh, man. Oh, that was just Jin because Sun does not speak. How well was his Korean then? Here's the thing. It's not that the words are bad. It's just that the tone and the like flow, is that the word? Sure. Is the, not the cadence. The cadence. The cadence. The cadence and the tone are not great. Hi, I don't speak Korean, so don't come at me. But you listen to a lot of Korean stuff. I do listen to a lot. And even also, I listen to a lot of like, this person is Korean, was born and raised in Korea, speaks Korean as their only language, and this person was raised in not Korea. Korea, Korean is not the language that they speak, and they're still learning. So I know that I like know the difference of like, ah, and he's at the very beginning of the scale where like, ooh, Yes, you were getting there. You're getting there. That's hard. And that's the thing. It's like when I watched the show initially, I had never really like been exposed to the Korean language at mm -hmm. all. You know, I had friends who were Korean. Yeah. Like second generation, but they spoke English. Mm -hmm. um, so I never really heard Korean spoken anywhere. So when I watched the show initially, I was just like, you know, didn't, mm -hmm. it meant nothing to me. He was just speaking a foreign language. And right. I remember my, my other friend, Andrew, who mm -hmm. is Korean. He started watching Lost around the same time I did. And he was just like, yeah, his Korean sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and now, having heard that clip, some of those sentences, now that I have watched plenty of Korean dramas or, and, and movies, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> what is he? Why is he saying it that way? I want to be kind because learning is hard. Yeah, I was like, no, no disrespect to Daniel Day Kim, yeah. but they should have just cast a Korean guy, like a, a guy who spoke Korean. I, it's not that I disagree, but yo, I do. Where I'm like, yo, if all he needs to do is get back in touch with the language he already spoke before, uh, then like let's let's give let's give parts to people. But, he, but here's <laughs> but the thing. I also get it. The like, same. Jin learns English throughout the show. Mm -hmm. If they had cast a Korean man who only spoke Korean and didn't have a very like, even if he didn't speak any English at all, or you know, he had a very thick accent when he spoke English. That would have worked because that's Jin. Yeah, it it should have been a little bit more like the the Spanglish. Yeah, like the uh, Paz. Paz kind of, Vega. Yeah. yeah, I had to learn on the way. Yeah, so. yeah. I was like that. That would have been good. Either way, as far as their character goes, uh, Sun and Jin are a Korean couple who also crash land and <laughs> crash landing on you. Yes, you know, um, <laughs> Jin is clearly very protective of his wife. Mm -hmm. Does not want any doesn't want her speaking to anyone else, any of the other survivors and does not want anyone else to talk to her. Mm -hmm. They talk to him. He's right. the man. 
So she's meant to be a very submissive wife to mm-hmm. him. And uh, it, it, as they reveal more about their backstories, you learn that it's like that's not that's not the role Sun wants to play. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jin is like trying to be the type of man he thinks he needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like. You learn a lot through yeah. them, and they're another one of those like pillars of the show. They're they're from you know to the to the very end almost. Got it. And uh, like there's a there's a scene I think even in part two of the pilot, very early on, someone approaches Sun and Jin about something, you know, mm-hmm. to, to ask them a question, and Sun is wearing like kind of like a button up blouse, mm-hmm. and the top button is unbuttoned, and mm-hmm. it's like showing no cleavage whatsoever. But Jin yells at her and tells her to button the top button. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's kind of the character moment to show like, oh, he's a very controlling, controlling person. Mm. So doesn't necessarily endear the character to no. people on the island. Yeah, and he's meant to, like in in some ways like Jin is meant to be kind of like an antagonist for a while, mm-hmm. you know, until you learn more about him and he softens up and. Right. You learn more about his wife because she's she's not telling the truth on some things either. Right. They all got secrets. They all got secrets, except the dog. The no, dog's dog. actually a polar bear. <laughs> the dog might have secrets. I don't know. <gasps> uh, probably not. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the main cast. We covered them all. Yeah. But there's more to talk about with Loss. Like, we, we, we talked about a lot of the character stuff, but like they go on a mission. Mm-hmm. They- Jack. Just three people. Yeah, Jack, Kate, and Charlie go on a mission to find a transceiver. I saw some smoke just through the valley. If you're thinking about going for the cockpit, I'm going with you. I don't know your name. <laughs> I'm Kate. Jack. And they, they go on a little adventure to find the cockpit to find the transceiver. Mm-hmm. Right? And they find it. Yeah, and a pilot. They do find the pilot, and the pilot kind of sets up, and th- this might be my last clip. I might have one more. But uh, the pilot kind of lays out exactly why these people are going to be stuck on this island for mm-hmm. a while. How long has it been? 16 hours. Six. Has anybody come? Not yet. Six hours in. Our radio went out. No one could see us. We turned back to, to land in Fiji. By the time we we hit turbulence, we were a thousand miles off course. They're looking for us in the wrong place. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. This is why you should have cell phones on the plane. Well, they had the transceiver, but it just lost radio signals. So, yeah. that, you know. Plot device, now they're stuck, and they're looking in the wrong place. And, yeah. oh my gosh, what the heck are we going to do? Also, the island moves. <laughs> it moves? I just, I'm, I'm throwing, like, random plot points out from, like, late in the show, and you're like, what? Is it on the back of a lion turtle? That's what some people thought. Like, <sighs> oh, is this, like, a like a Discworld thing? Are they oh on, like, a gosh. giant uh, turtle? Like, what's going on? No, but, like, the Lost Island is magic. That, that's the thing. It's a magic island. So. I'm not watching the show. <laughs> You're not making me. That's fine. I'm, I'm not going to force you. <laughs> but when I say magic, like the show does introduce that, oh my gosh, there's something supernatural going on in this island. Mm-hmm. And they do it through how? Like how? What? what? Sounds, trees moving. What was that? That was weird, right? Is that Vincent? It's not Vincent. Did anybody say that? Yeah. 
Did every one of the the cast members there have a line except Jin and Son? Uh, no, like Jack didn't say anything. Uh, but yeah, there is something in those woods that ain't right. <laughs> we don't know what it is, and I, I don't think we see it until season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's colloquially referred to as the monster mm-hmm. because it sounds like a monster. Yes. But like for a lot of the time, they're like, "What the heck is that thing?" You don't, yeah, you don't see it until season two. So I'm not gonna say what it is. Um, and it's mysterious and it like, there's more to this island than meets the eye. That's the mm-hmm. main thing. So gives that hook, you know, and that's the JJ Abrams hook, right? Yeah. JJ Abrams loves his mystery boxes, right? right. Like, you, you leave a question dangling for the audience and keeps them engaged, which is effective when you're starting a show. It is mm-hmm. not effective when you continue to do that through the whole show. Yeah. You got to start answering some questions. And I think that was the problem. Damon Lindelof learned some of the wrong lessons from J.J. Abrams. Mm. It's like, mystery boxes are great for the start. You got to have a strong ending. And you got to know how the show ends yeah. at the beginning. That's true. So they, yeah. as the show goes on, it, it is clear that they are making some things up as they go along. Mm-hmm. Which is both a strength. You, you ha- sometimes you have to pivot based on circumstances. Right. Makes sense. But other times it's like, listen... You really should have had some of this stuff planned out from the start. Yeah. And that was evidenced in that, that Star Wars trilogy that J.J. Abrams was involved in. Mm-hmm. Like, have things planned out. <laughs> have some things planned out, please. You sound so pressed. Uh. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so that's the monster. There's stuff going on. The monster chases Jack, Kate, and uh, Charlie at the end of the episode. That's like the big climax. Yeah, it kills the pilot. So the it, pilot dies in the first episode. So yeah. he's, he's not even a character. No. Here's something interesting, though. It wasn't supposed to be the pilot that dies. Who was supposed to die? Charlie? Jack oh. was planned to die in the pilot episode from very early on huh. in production. However, ABC executives were adamant that Jack live. So the decision was reversed one week before shooting. Oh, wow. I guess J.J. Abrams and Lindelof thought it would be a fun twist on like conventions mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, yeah, you know. Jack's the first character we see. We follow him around. We everyone thinks, oh yeah, this guy's the main character, and that's why it was going to be Michael Keaton because it mm-hmm. was like he was going to be the big star. Yeah. But then he just dies like, yeah. unexpectedly, and they're like, oh man, this anything could happen on this show. That's crazy. Yeah, I think it would have been interesting because uh, clearly it is pointed out he's got all that main character energy running around and doing stuff, and then like, and you're like, okay, so who's the leader here? What is it? And it would make it the ensemble make more sense rather than like, yeah, you're saying there are pillars, but within the pillar is a center, you know? Yeah. And it would have been like nice to just kind of like give room for everybody else to grow and stuff. I think at that point, Saeed would have probably really stepped up to be. It would have been Kate. It sounds like that would have been the plan for Kate. Uh, which be. still, again, would have been fun. Like yeah. uh, a woman leading the whole charge of this. But uh, I, I think cooler heads prevailed because it's like, this is still a television show and you need to ground it. And like, I think characters would have been really resentful to the show if they just killed Jack. Yeah. So I understand why they did it. Yeah. That's an interesting idea in theory, but I think for the for the show that this needed to be, keeping yeah. Jack around made more sense. It did. And I think it's better in this time as well, just thinking about what happened after Abrams left. And if there was the precedent of, yeah, we can just kill you off without anything, then, it, then some of the problems that were had with the cast and with representation would have been, quote unquote, solved. I don't think so. Differently. Differently. Meaning they would just like, no, solved is not the word. Sorry. That's why I was quoting it. You can't see it. Air quotes solved in that you could just be like, yeah, you're griping a lot and you're saying, then I'll just cut you out. 
So I'm like, I'm glad that that was not a precedent that was set. Yeah, but that's lost. Yeah, that's it. They find the they find the pilot's body. And they're like, he's all cut up and, and beat up. Is like, it's all bloody. And they're like, what what did this to him? This monster that's did been you chasing see it? us. No. Yep. And that's <laughs> the big mystery at the end of the first episode. It's like, what the heck is this island? What's this thing chasing him around? There were a lot of theories at the, at the time. Like, mm-hmm. I remember when I first watched it, I was like, are there dinosaurs on this island? What the heck is going on? <laughs> yes. You know, and people are like, is it nanobots? Is it clones? Is it a ghost? It's like, what, the, what is this monster? Dinosaur. But uh, yeah, did, did you like the first no. episode of Lost? Uh-uh. You didn't like it? No, it was like fine. It was fine. Like, it was fine. So you wouldn't recommend even the pilot to watch? I like, mean. Like, as a movie? Because that was the thing. If, if Lost had not been picked up for a show. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if they produced the pilot and the f- yeah, if, if they made the pilot and ABC pulled the plug, they said the plan was to just to release like either do a TV movie, mm-hmm. you know, release it as a TV movie and then release it on DVD as like a standalone product, like a TV special. Right. Like, on yeah, that would have been the plan. Or if it was just this for the first season, they could have at least said, oh, yeah, you know, this is the first season. You know, they would have changed maybe the ending where they got off the island on a on a raft. Mm-hmm. But it kept going, obviously. Yeah. But you wouldn't even recommend like the pilot as like a watchable thing. And this is a personal thing, but no. Interesting. And not not in, not as a like oh it's bad or anything like that. But in there is so much going on, and it isn't wrapped up, or even not even like and this is the very end, but like not enough of it is like pulled together and there's so many moving parts and so many people and so many things to care about that uh in my personal opinion and how i like to intake media i don't think it's watchable in in the sense of right like the they're like this is contained right like you don't have to watch any just every episode like no you have to keep going to so like as a just like oh as a encapsulated i don't see how this would have worked as a movie or as because it's what's the end of it right like it's not they're all saved it's not they're all dead it's not that even some of you know kind of thing and it didn't get you hooked to make you want to watch more either yeah for me and that's a me personal thing right like uh that's not saying it's bad or any like that right like i just was like oh there's nothing in here that like pulled me enough to be like oh i want to know more about that or more about that character i found something about that dynamic interesting because they're setting everything up yeah. Right. Uh, and even you, you were like, yeah, I was like, these are fine. And then the third episode or the fourth episode is what really like pulled you yes, in. I right. Um, and for me, I tend to give shows like three to five episodes. Uh, and if it doesn't have me by then, like you've got me for five hours and you haven't like pulled me in with anything, then I'm not going to continue to watch for me. And I, we did start watching the show together before, so I know what that twist is, and that wasn't enough for me. Interesting. Yeah. But again, it's not that it's bad. It's definitely not. Like, I can see the the draw of it and the, like, what is this? Like, I'm saying, like, yes. So I guess I would recommend, like, hey, if you kind of want a lot of moving parts and you want, like, a mystery that, I don't know, you said is solved if you pay attention, uh, absolutely go for it. For me personally, I'm like, yeah, nothing in this is for me. Okay. Well, when we watched it this time, I was surprised by how well it held up. Like mm-hmm. this first episode, like you see all the money on the screen. The yeah. production values are off the charts. Way better than any TV show up to that point. I think. Right. It looked like it looked fantastic. They shot in HD. 
they've they're on a beach with a giant plane like mm-hmm. it's not even bad cgi it's like they're legit they've got explosions going off on set it, it looks it, it looks like a great show right like it has like a very filmic quality got all the great practicals you like and the I, I felt like the writing in the first episode here was pretty strong mm-hmm. they're clearly juggling a lot of characters yeah um, which is difficult mm-hmm. but i felt like they pulled it off pretty well in this first episode and then watching parts of the second episode i felt like no this is this all comes together and i would say i would recommend if you haven't seen lost to watch the first two episodes and see if it's something that you would enjoy Mm -hmm. especially if you if you watch the pilot and you're like yeah i enjoyed that watch up to the john Locke episode and if if that you're like oh man i need to continue watching that show Mm -hmm. go for it the first two seasons are pretty consistent quality wise. Like there, you know, there's ups and downs like any TV show. But mm-hmm. the first two seasons, I feel like are pretty strong for the most part. After season two, season three is a glut. <laughs> there's there's some problems with season three. That that's where like that's a good jumping off point. If you're like I'm done, yeah, you know, I've watched enough Lost. Jump off. <laughs> season three is it gets good towards the end, but it's yeah, there's not worth it. Yeah, there's some ups. There's a lot more, more downs. downs than ups mm. in season three and so on. So that's my recommendation. If like Lost seems interesting to you, watch the pilot, watch up to the John Locke episode. Those are good jumping off points. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's like, you know, watch season one. If you want to keep going, watch season two. If you're like on the fence, jump off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair advice. But what did the world think? What did they think? Lost pilot episode had 18.6 million viewers easily winning its 9 p.m. time slot. These ratings were the best for an ABC drama pilot since Murder One in 1995, and they gave ABC its strongest ratings since 2001 when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was initially aired. Oh, wow. Beaten only the following month by the premiere of Desperate Housewives. (laughs) Goodness. ABC was on top of the world. Yeah, they were. For its first season, Lost averaged 16 million viewers, ranking 14th in viewership among primetime shows and 15th among the 18 to 49 demo. Okay. It maintained equally strong ratings in its second season before seeing a noted, but not drastic, decline in subsequent seasons. Mm. Lost was also named the most recorded series in television by Nielsen. Uh, Like DVR. DVR was a thing. TiVo. TiVo. Lost Pilot is one of the most critically acclaimed television pilots of all time, with praise going to its writing, directing, production values, and performances. IGN, for example, said, quote, Lost delivers on every promise it makes to its audience and is simply the best new show on any of the networks this season. Mm. That level of acclaim carried over to the show's first two seasons. USA Today, for example, called it a, quote, totally original, fabulously enjoyable Lost at Sea series. Lost had taken, quote, an outlandish Saturday serial setup and imbued it with real characters and honest emotions without sacrificing any of the old-fashioned fun. Hmm. A common criticism expressed as the show went on is that it introduced too many mysteries while not bringing enough to a satisfying resolution, which Mm -hmm. I totally understand. Yeah. It answered the questions. If you're not satisfied with those answers, that's okay. I understand. Yeah. USA Today again said, quote, Real suspense comes from answers, not questions. Suspense comes not from wondering what's going on, but from wondering what happens next. If you withhold answers, it becomes impossible to satisfy. And I think that was one of Lost's biggest flaws towards the end. Mm -hmm. So season six is rough because it doesn't answer enough questions. Yeah. Brings too many in. Mm. To to the very end, they just keep 
adding. peeling the layers back and there's more and more. And towards the end, it's just like, if I answer this, you'll just have more questions. So let's just mm. not even bother. And it's like, that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Despite some ups and downs in reception over the course of the show's run, Lost has been named among the greatest television series of all time. The New York Times, for example, defined Lost as, quote, the show with perhaps the most compelling continuing storyline in television history. So take that as you will. I will take it and put it down over there. <laughs> Lost was nominated for 54 Primetime Emmy Awards. That's a lot. Winning 11. The pilot alone won Outstanding Casting for a Drama Series, Outstanding Music Composition for a Series, Dramatic Underscore, Outstanding Single Camera Editing for a Drama Series, Outstanding Special Visual Effects for a Series, Outstanding Drama Series, and Outstanding Directing for a Drama Series. Dang, that's six. Actors Terry O'Quinn and Michael Emerson, who is not in the pilot, mm -hmm. also each won Astounding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series during the show's run. Mm -hmm. The show also won 13 Saturn Awards, four TSA Awards, five Golden Reel Awards, one Satellite Award, one Golden Globe Award, one Writers Guild of America Award, one Producers Guild of America Award, one NAACP Image Award, and one Screen Actors Guild Award, among several others. Okay. There you go. I see a QQ in the future of that. I know. It's like the most well-awarded is probably going to go to the show. And what of the legacy of Lost? Lost ran for six seasons of 121 episodes. And I've kind of outlined the show's run. Yeah. It's like seasons one and two, pretty consistently strong. Introduce some new characters, kill some off. It's mm. good. Season three, that was when the show, it was like clear that the, the showrunners were like, we want to end, the, we want to start moving towards the end, but ABC doesn't want to give up its strong ratings. Yeah. So we have to just kind of like spin our wheels. Yeah. And that became a problem. Yeah. And then by season four, with the writer strike giving them an excuse, they're like, hey, we want to start moving towards an ending. Mm -hmm. So seasons four, five, and six are like mini series length, mm -hmm. which really help with the yeah. consistency and the pacing. Yeah. Uh, seasons four and five are pretty dang good. Mm -hmm. Season six is mid, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> kind of frustrating in some places. Uh. A series of 13 Mobisodes. <laughs> ranging in length from one to four minutes, titled Lost Missing Pieces, aired during the hiatus of the third and fourth seasons, first to Verizon Wireless and then on ABC's website. Wow. That was when TV networks were just really experimenting on how to release new things. Yeah, did you the, watch them? I don't think, uh, they might be on those DVDs, so mm. I probably have watched those. But yeah, imagine watching a Mobisode no. on, on your Verizon phone. I will not imagine. It's like, oh man, I'm gonna download a four minute episode of lost on my phone and it took an hour to download <laughs> a 12 minute epilogue titled the new man in charge was included with both lost complete six season dvd and the complete collection box set which mm. is what you had to uncover the secret to find it right and that one again they freaking they explicitly answered where the polar bears come from which is the stupidest thing in the world because they didn't need to do it <laughs> they had already answered why there were polar bears on the island like four times already Sometimes people don't listen. They don't listen. Yeah. In November 2005, ABC produced an official Lost podcast hosted by series writers and executive producers Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. And I've talked about that. That's really quick. That's just a year after. Mm -hmm. Sky One also hosted a podcast presented by comedian Ian Lee on their website, which analyzed each episode after the, it aired in the United Kingdom. Okay. The show's networks and producers have made extensive use of the internet in expanding the background of the story. For example, during the first season, a fictional diary 
by an unseen survivor called Janelle Granger was presented on the ABC website for the series. Hmm. Tie-in websites for fictional entities like Oceanic Airlines also played into the show's viral marketing. Nerd homework? So this is very like... J.J. Abrams loves this stuff. Mm -hmm. like, you know, in, infusing the show with like a mythology outside of the show itself yeah. with websites. He did that for Cloverfield and other projects that he worked on. Mm -hmm. He loves that stuff. Yeah. ARG elements. Yeah. Alternate reality sense. games. Yeah. Lost had video games too. Let's not, let's not talk about it. Lost the mobile game was released for mobile phones and the iPod in 2007. Ugh. iPod. You can, not even an iPhone yet. The Apple iPod. You can play a game on it. Yeah. iPhones came out 2007. Yeah. Late that year. And Lost Via Domus released for PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and PC in 2008. I have not played it. I've seen it played. It looks like crap. Yeah, I bet. Several official alternate reality games based on Lost were also created, including, including 2006's Lost Experience and 2007's Find 815. Okay. So it's like one of those, like, you have to find clues on the internet and call, mm -hmm. you know, call phone numbers and maybe even visit physical locations out in the real world to find yeah. clues, you know? So it's like totally fun stuff that mm -hmm. I wish I could get into, but I'm always late to these ARGs. Yeah. I, you know, I've always find them too late. Yeah. I'd love to be involved in an ARG. I'll make one for you. Do you want me to build an ARG for you? No, it's okay. Okay. Well, three lost novelizations, endangered species, secret identity and signs of life were published by Hyperion books. Hyperion also published a meta fictional book titled bad twin which was credited to a fictional author, Gary Troop, who ABC's marketing department claimed was a passenger on Oceanic Flight A-15. Okay. I'm not reading that. Nope. A 400-page reference book titled The Lost Encyclopedia, released in 2010, and several unofficial books relating to the show have been published as well. All right. Additional officially licensed lost merchandise include clothing, jewelry, action figures, trading cards, jigsaw puzzles, and a board game. Oh, another board game. Was it Monopoly? <laughs> also, apparently, like even the jigsaw puzzles had like secrets to reveal about the show's mythology. Like the jigsaws themselves had like secrets in them. It's too much. It really played into that. It's too much. The 2011 TV series Once Upon a Time, created by former Lost writers Adam Horowitz and Edward Kitsis, featured many items found in the Lost universe, including... Apollo candy bars and Oceanic Airlines. Okay. So I don't, if you like Once Upon a Time, it's in the Lostiverse, kind of. <laughs> Lost has also been referenced or parodied on TV shows like Fringe, Will and Grace, Curb Your Enthusiasm, 30 Rock, Scrubs, Modern Family, Orange is the New Black, Community, The Office, Family Guy, American Dad, The Simpsons, and The Venture Brothers. And in video games like Dead Island, Half-Life 2, Episode 2, Fallout 3, Uncharted 2, Among Thieves, World of Warcraft, Just Cause 2, Batman Arkham City, Grand Theft Auto V and Singularity. What does parodied mean in this? Like some, like some of these, like some of these games, like Just Cause Two, you could just find like the Lost Hatch, like on an island somewhere. Got or it. They like may, might make a joke about like a flashback and use the same sa like flashback sound from Lost. Got or, it. Because I was like, how does Will and Grace pa parrot Lost? Or like they reference Lost, Got or it. a character will show up and make jokes about being on Lost. Right. And I mentioned this. Alternative rock band Weezer also named their eighth studio album Hurley after the character with a photo of Jorge Garcia on the cover. I wonder who their favorite character was. Das Lost. Big okay. show. Very important. Change television. Also incredibly long segment for Media Made. <laughs> Gigas. Yep. 
Uh, there won't be too much that you cut, but luckily I spent forever looking up the images of two people, so there'll be five minutes to cut there. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of Koreans on airplanes, we'll be back after the break with Just a Show of 2004. I apologize in advance. We'll be right back. If you think you've seen it all. Why did you do this? If you think you know it all. We're survivors of Oceanic Ooh, Flight 815. We're the survivors of Flight 815. Look again. I know what you're doing. Oh Don't worry, your secret's safe with me. You'll be one step closer to the most revealing two-hour season finale ever. What did you do to us? Two hours that will change everything. Uh, no more lies. Lost, Wednesday at 8, 7 central, only on ABC. Is that Korean or she's singing in English? I'm not here right now. I am on a desert planet where this isn't happening. You did this to us. I can't fight that. The allegations are true. I did this to us. And we're both suffering because of it. This is our f I mean, I, I should introduce the show, but first time in Korea. And we'll be there. <laughs> Again. For many, we will be uh, flying back many times. But uh, what is just a show of 2004 released July 14th, 2004 on KBS, the Korean Broadcasting Station, written by Min Hyo Jung. Okay, try again. Min Hyo Jung. <laughs> what do you want me to say? How do I say it? You sound like Daniel Day Kim. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh... Min Hyojun? Hyo or Hyun? H Y O. Hyo. Min Hyojun? Min Hyojun. Directed by Pyo Minsu. Okay. Pyo? Pyo? Pyo Pyo! Now you're making me like self conscious about it. <laughs> Pyo Minsu? I'm just gonna say it like a white guy. No! <laughs> Starring Song Kye Kyo. Okay. Is that bad? I, I say the. How do you spell the second word? H Y E. Okay. Yeah. 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 Hey, Kun. Han. E U N. Un. Un. Han Un Jung. Han Un Jun. Un Jun. Han Un Jun. Kim Sung Soo. Not good. Sung Soo. And Rain. <laughs> B. <laughs> 
Based on the manhwa series of the same name, written and illustrated by Wan Su Yun. Yeah. Full House. Man, <sighs> Korean names are hard to say. I guess. I understand why a lot of my Korean friends, when they move to the States, they change their names. That's unnecessary. I'm saying Hyung Uk became Luke. Hyung Uk. Gosh. I still had oh. Jisoo, though. Shout out to Jisoo. Jisoo, I think easy. Their names, names are easy. Na- that's, a, that's an easy name. Oh, oh, most names are easy. You just got to put in some effort. You can say Floor. Floor. Yeah, well, I mean, floor. I, I, I took Spanish in high school and college. You know what names are really difficult to say properly? German names. But also Italian names. Either way, and also uh, they put their last names before their first names in Korean. Yes. Yeah, anyway, Full House. Not that one. <laughs> no, not that one. Yes, that one. I tried, like, I thought, like, at one point it would be funny to start the show with Full House so that when I read the intro mm. and play the first clip, <laughs> it's everywhere you look. Oh, my gosh. But no. It just didn't work. Also, Lost has, like, no music in it, so. <laughs> anyway, what the heck is Full House? Not that one. Uh, not not the early 90s, late 80s uh, sitcom starring you, Janie Tanner. Are you asking me or is that your pre-roll into giving a bunch of history? Well, I mean, it, we'll do that eventually. But you need to tell me what the heck is Full House. Full House is a South Korean drama um, air, that aired in 2004 in Korea on KBS. <laughs> You're asking me. That's what it is. It's a story based on a manhwa. <laughs> That was really popular. Stars Rain. <laughs> it's Stars Rain, who is a singer. Um, and this is one of his first acting things. I think it's his first. Acting. Is it? Okay. Because there's stuff that happened that came out in the same year, I think. Maybe just, but whatever. Anyway, um, we're going to, I'm not going to tell you what the story is about because that's what uh, lot, the lot podcast tur- is about. A lot of twists and turns uh, in that first episode. It is a, ostensibly a, Romantic comedy. Yeah. Look, kids, I know I'm sounding like I don't love this. Um, and I don't. If if I had the choice, this would not be the first Korean drama that we would talk about. You, on the you podcast. had more pain you, you had a painful you experienced more pain watching this than I did. Okay, so um any of the kids who know me in real life, when we have movie nights and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I love this movie growing up and then we put it on and I realize I have not watched it for like fifteen years and oh no, this is problematic. Oh no, this is not good. That <laughs> I had like total recall within three minutes of starting this and remembered the entirety of all the ups and downs, remembered how it ended, remembered the subplots, remembered the like whoopsie shenanigans and stuff and i was like actually i don't want to watch this actually can we turn this off actually i'm gonna be really mad please i (laughs) it's painful you know there's just some stuff that like belongs in the past this is one of them so how did you watch the show because i i'd never heard of the show before oh so this is an episode where neither of us have heard of each other's shows i guess so which is baffling <laughs> that this is the one well i'm bad i'm not surprised i didn't know what full house was i'm surprised you didn't know what lost was i'm surprised you didn't know what full house was everywhere you look <laughs> um i watched this so i guess this is the time for me to get into how i moved from anime kid to uh k-drama girl woman whatever so when i was um the summer between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college 
I had a computer, my very own laptop, the first of its kind. Actually, I think I'd had this. It, it, it was my first laptop, but I think I'd had it for like maybe two years. But now I was able to have my own internet access to it because I wasn't allowed to before. It was really mostly just used for like watching DVDs like of anime that I owned and writing because Microsoft Word was basically the only thing I ever used it for. I didn't have internet access on it because dial-up was still a thing. Uh, but now that I was going to college, I needed to learn how to like surf the web and I got that permission from my parents. Thanks, mommy. Thanks, daddy. <laughs> and um, I discovered that I could like watch anime and stuff online what it's 2007 and i can just like one two three watch cartoons.com i what let's do that let's tsunami has an online presence um which i already knew about because i would watch it on our family computer yeah let's go watch more episodes of prince of tennis woohoo <laughs> and so it just kind of turned into this thing of me like asking jeeves i did not use google i'm not even gonna lie i asking used jeeves. yahoo and i asked jeeves that was me 2007 to 2009 altavista.com <laughs> oh man and so um i was looking for the anime uh gokusen oh gosh my japanese accent is gone <laughs> anyway i was looking for uh the anime gokusen and that's basically about a uh, female teacher who is hired by a high school that is full of like delinquents and stuff. And she's kind of you. She's a Yakuza woman, but she's like, I just want to help youth be better and turn their way from whatever. And so I had watched it before at like a friend's house or something. And I was like, oh, I remember really liking that. I want to watch it again. But I couldn't find it. And I could only find like live action versions of it. And I was like, I remember saying out loud, sitting at my kitchen table, looking out as the sun was coming in, waiting for a painting to dry, being like, who would watch a live action when anime is available? I said those words aloud. <laughs> I said those words aloud to no one but myself. But I clicked it because I was like, what the crap? Like anime is like funny and it's got a lot of like, physical gags and stuff and that doesn't translate over so i watched um all three seasons of the live action that tracks <laughs> and um and then i was like oh my gosh what other things are there there's live action stuff of like anime that are like manga that i like let me go and check those things out that's so interesting and then i was in college and i couldn't find the Japanese, I think I was looking, it wasn't Hani Yoridango, it was Boys Over Flowers. Uh, I went there because there was an actor in Gokusen that I really liked. And I was like, oh, he's it playing some other character. Let me go and see that. And it was boy. The, it was Boys Before Flowers, the uh, Japanese version. And then I was like, wait, there's another, what's Meteor Garden? And that's the Taiwanese version. Wait, what's... And then slowly and surely I fell into live action. And then when I got to college, uh, people were like, oh, but have you seen this Korean drama? And I was like, what? And and then it was over for me. <laughs> and then it was over. So uh, by my first year of my first semester of college, I averaged a 1.3 GPA uh -oh. because I nobody told me I couldn't be on my computer watching stuff all the time. <laughs> Kids, don't do this if you're in college. I 
got straight A's and B's all the way through my senior year. And I didn't crack a 3.5 cumulatively because I screwed up so bad in that first semester. Don't do it, kids. That first quarter is a killer. I say that. It, almost, it took me out. It was an academic probation for like ever. Forever, my guy. I got a D on my first midterm. Oh, man. Ugh. You're like, you're not prepared for it. I don't know why they give children. Yes, you are a child, kid. And so was I. So much power. Anyway, all this, you asked how we ended up here. We ended up here because uh, the internet is a wild and crazy place. And um, I can remember very specific sites that I will never visit anymore because I'm pretty sure those are the reasons my first computer died terribly. And so, like, honestly, that and that's that's how I fell into this. I didn't I don't feel like I watched. Oh, I definitely didn't watch this show when it came out in 2004. I didn't wasn't into dramas until 2007 and after. But I definitely remember watching it in like late 2008, early 2009. I actually had this one on DVD and I gave it to one of my best friends. I gave her a couple <laughs> that was like, oh, I watched this online at sites. Um, and here's a DVD that I spent you know, money that was loan money on. <laughs> Here you go. They were expensive back then. They were very expensive I back just, then. Yeah, I imagine so. You had to get those things flown over. Ugh. Got on Play Asia, right? Import <laughs> them, yeah. Um, so was there anything in particular about Full House or was it was just amongst all the other Korean dramas that you were watching? What do you mean? Like, was there something special about Full House or was just it was just amongst the bunch? It was amongst the bunch. I was like shotgunning everything, like everything. There's some stuff that I'm like, oh, man, I, I that I can't even remember. When we were going through lists of like titles. I was like, did I watch that? And like read through that. Yep, I did. <laughs> and like, oh, there's a remake of this. I remember watching that when I was a kid. And uh, this just happened to be the big one from that year, from this year. I mean, and the big thing being like Rain was in it. Obviously, he was the oh, the hottest heartthrob of the time. Tiger Beat. <laughs> so, um, it's kind of interesting that you started getting into Korean dramas in like two thousand seven, eight, because that's like the dawning of the streaming era in mm -hmm. the U.S. That was when Netflix went streaming. I think around about two thousand eight. I think nine. probably nine, nine, because I think I was in a household by then because we were still doing DVDs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a novelty. I remember like the first device that streamed Netflix was the Xbox 360. Uh. And that was a big deal. And people were like, why would you stream Netflix? You could, why would you do that? And then someone was like, no, like I remember listening to podcasts at the time. They're like, no, listen, it's amazing. <laughs> they have everything. And so that was like the dawning of the streaming era. And then by that time, like Hulu was streaming TV. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, we talked about it. Lost was streaming on ABC's website. Yeah, and Toonami was streaming. Honestly, Hulu like was a godsend in college because you don't have you don't you're not paying for cable, and Hulu just having it a day later, it's like living in your parents' house, and they're paying for cable. It was beautiful. But streaming in particular is cited as a reason why Kore the Korean wave hit the United States because mm -hmm. the Korean. So something about Full House it more or less launched the Korean wave mm -hmm. in Asia. Yeah. So Full House is a, a, a Korean drama that just became super popular mm -hmm. in China and everywhere else. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were in China a little bit for the show. Well, they, yeah, yeah. And then Thailand as well. Yeah. You know, so I think that had a bit to do with it. But mm -hmm. it just like swept Asia, started hitting Europe, you know, it just 
slowly creeped over to America. And I remember getting caught up in the Korean wave when we got Netflix for the first time, like Netflix streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, th- and this was like 2011, 2012 mm-hmm. by this point. And I was just like, you know, find, trying to find weird movies to watch. And I started, I watched The Man from Nowhere. So good. Guys, we'll be talking about that. That's one of my favorite Korean movies. Korean movie and uh, just a bunch of other Korean movies. So I was like watching Korean film. Oh, is that, is that why you saw um, the one where someone stranded on an island because they. Oh, no. Oh, Cast Away by the I just heard about that one. Okay, okay. But like I watched like Good and Bad and the Weird, you know, mm-hmm. movies like that. Yeah. And I was into Tarantino at the time. So it's like Quentin Tarantino also really liked Korean cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. And then 2012 Gangnam Style hit mm-hmm. and the Korean wave had fully crashed on America. Right. So it's just interesting. You 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 got in early. Okay. Hey, kids, just in case that isn't clear when you're listening to this, I am a hipster and I will unapologetically say this. Yeah, I was into it before it was cool. <laughs> you were. I absolutely was. By at least four years. I would say like it wasn't like mainstream to be consuming Korean media until Gangnam Style. Yeah. No, right? But I, I also feel the same way like with anime kids, right? Like like we know like entertainment is entertainment. Entertainment is good, right? And when you're like, there's good stuff and it's really nice. I think that the draw for people who were in it into it before it got like super popular. Um, I'm still into it. I don't want you to think that I just think it's oh, it's I know too you much. <laughs> but I think the draw is like n- the cultures are so different, and there's so many different things to like understand to continue to jo- enjoy it on a deeper level. But you can enjoy it without understanding any of those things. But like as you're like watching, like be it anime, be it Korean dramas, be it C dramas, J dramas, be it uh, Turkish uh, entertainment. I watch a lot of non-American things, guys. Like, you're like, why are they doing this? Why is everybody doing this thing? And then slowly you like learn more about a society that's so different from yours, right? Uh, Without it being like American washed, you know, into this like, oh, this is just American style or something like that. So I think that that's the thing that's really, for me at least, really drew me in. I like to be able to like actually see different experiences. And there are a lot of different experiences across America and in American, oh, how Americans live and portray themselves in media. But it's like such a different thing, right? So a wave is, it's like a refreshing wave. <laughs> no, I get it. And I think that's why it caught on. Yeah. And, and Korean, like Korean cinema in particular is like, like, for the past 20 years, it's been like a very, it's, it's a thriving film industry over there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Whereas like, I think, you know, Jap- like there's still, there are always going to be good Japanese TV shows and movies, but like the cultural resonance of Japanese media in the US has waned mm-hmm. and kind of stagnated a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I can't speak for America, but for me... I think one of the reasons I personally pulled away a little bit more from Japanese media is because I find it to be one of two things. And it's either like very over the top cartoony or so very dark, 
so very, very, very dark. And I like to ingratiate those two things. I like, oh, that was light and funny, but oh, wow, we're actually talking about a serial kidnapper who is doing who knows what. Oh, look, a superhero. She's just really strong. And she's like, I like those things. But like when I go to Japanese media, I need to either like be prepared for like fluffy, whatever, or just like, uh, and it's getting like, I've returned to Japanese media a lot more recently. And it's like, okay, this is more better. Like there's more middle, for me, there's more middle ground to like find in media but like sometimes it's just it that was the reason i started pulling away and then i really just liked how south korean stories were told more even now <laughs> they don't waste your time they don't <laughs> that my favorite thing about the and oh yeah the reason i really really went hard for it was like i am one of those people who like i love book series but when it because i'm like oh i want to continue to in this world but when it comes to tv i need you to like I need it to be encapsulated. My favorite thing is that there are very rarely season twos in um, Korean, uh, in dramas. It's like this 16 episodes is where I'm going to tell the story. So there is no faff. Like everything I'm going to do has a reason to get to this point. And if it's a good drama, excellent, amazing, beautiful, all the knots are tied. If it's not, ugh. but like you don't have to worry about more. It's not like One Piece where there are 2000 episodes. Don't come for One Piece. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> what, what bleach then? Wait, a thousand you can come episodes? for bleach. <laughs> All right, should I talk about Full House's uh, making of? Sure. 1993, South Korean manhwa artist Won Soo Yoon. <laughs> She's judging me. You're good. Won Soo Yoon. Known at that point for 1991's Elio and Yvette and 1992's Humanoid EO, began publishing Full House, a romantic comedy which follows a half-Korean screenwriter's quest to reclaim her stolen house and her subsequent romantic misadventures with a British actor. Oh, okay. So the, oh, okay. Already very different. Let's yes, go. They changed quite a bit from the <laughs> comic book to the, the screen. Uh, like One, the main character is supposed to be half-Korean, mm -hmm. and her romantic co-lead is supposed to be a white British dude. Yep. All right. Fine. And they have different names, even. Yeah, I think you were saying that. Yeah, we're Ellie and Ryder. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> not not what they are in the show. Nope. By the way, uh, this 2004 has been the year of bad reporting on the internet. Oh. Wikipedia says that Full House's comic run was for like 2002 to 4, which is like, I was like, oh, wow, that's a quick turnaround on a TV show. Yeah. Then I did more research and no, no. that's not true. It, it <laughs> It's... It got really confusing. I could not, like, I had to, like, I finally found, like, a Korea Times article mm -hmm. um, that sh basically uh, said that Full House was, <laughs> it was celebrating its 25th anniversary in 2021, which means that that would put its publication date at 1996. Which makes way more sense. But that's real, that's still not 1993. So I was oh. like, what the heck's going on? I'm finding other sources to say 93. Here's what happened. The comic began being serialized in magazines in 1993 and the first volume was collected oh, in 1996 right. as its own little standalone book mm. and then its final volume was collected in 1999 for a total of 16 volumes mm. and that i could prove to you because i've got the publication dates from the publisher itself <laughs> i'm glad that i have you to suss out all the good true wikipedia what's your problem <laughs> And then I, I found so many, like, just random, like, 
articles and websites by fans saying, oh, yeah, it ran from 2002 to 2004. Basing on a Wikipedia's facts. Uh, Wrong. Well, look. Maybe that's the American publication. That's Maybe. fair. But, but even still. then, I could find no proof of that. I don't. I don't feel like this would have been published. Like, do you think I can find a, 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 an English publication of this? May, maybe like a Korean American publishing house like did like a little run, but that seems yeah, it just doesn't seem likely. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Either way, 1993 and 1999. That was when Full House ran. Yeah. The the comic, not this. the show comic. We're talking the about. comic. Yes. <laughs> the manhwa. Kim Jong Hog Productions. Okay. The largest outsourced drama production company in Korea began development on a television drama adaptation of Full House beginning as early as May 2003. Oh. With Min Hyo Jung, known for the drama Cats on the Roof. Hmm. Are you familiar with that one? No. Uh, he was brought on to write and Pyo Min Soo, known for the melodramas The Lie, Foolish Love, and Solitude, okay. was brought on to direct. Familiar with those ones? I'm not. Uh, I will firmly say I did not. I don't feel like I saw any. Oh, I know we didn't because we go through the Korean list. I haven't seen anything before 2004. And now in the present, I will not go back and watch anything that was made before 2016. Because themes. Fair enough. <laughs> I was going to say Mr. Pyo. Pyo? Pyo. Pyo? Just, just so you know. Okay, I've been... Trying not to whisper this in the thing. After their after everyone's name, just say she, and that's that's their like she? Mr. and Miss is at the end. So it's like I can't remember one of the names because <laughs> I was gonna say Pio, Mr. Pio. Yeah, Pio she, Pio she, Mr. Pio. Okay. <laughs> um, he was known for melodramas, like mm-hmm. kind of like more serious stuff, and this was his first comedy. Yeah, uh, I remember you saying that, and I was like, I. I th- you can see that a little bit in like the camera work, I think. <laughs> just I guess. Okay. It wasn't very flashy, I'll say that. I <laughs> uh, got some casting uh, facts. For the lead role, actress Jun Ji Hyun. Jun Ji Hyun. <laughs> uh, known for Ill Mare and My Sassy Girl. Mm. Uh, was reportedly offered the role, but she reportedly turned it down. Because she would have had to cut her hair. That's fair. The role instead went to Song Hye Kyo. <laughs> Is it H Y E? Yeah. Hey ho. Hey ho. Hey ho. It's fine. I'm not going to correct you. You can say them the way you're saying them. I'm trying. You're doing good, son. <laughs> she was known for Autumn in the Heart and All In. I feel like I watched bits of All In. The title sounds familiar. Continue. The co-lead was offered to actors Lee Jung Jae, also known for Ill Mare and Affair in City of the Rising Sun. Okay, okay. And Jung Woo Sung, known for Musa and A Moment to Remember. Okay. But it eventually went to pop singer Rain. Yes, it did. Fans of the comic were reportedly very displeased with the casting. I wonder why. Dude, if they had just gotten a British guy, the Korean would have been so bad. <laughs> this is fine. This is more than fine, guys. It would not. It would have not been a wave because it would have been bad. Everything. They they just wanted they wanted like Tom Hiddleston or something. <laughs> they wanted star power. That's what they wanted. That's 
Who who would you have cast? I don't know. That's fair. Like a British dude who knows Korean? I have no idea. Nope. <laughs> One notable decision by the production company was to refrain from using product placement, also known as PPL in the Korean film industry. That's, well, okay. Yeah, in Full House as much as possible, mm-hmm. despite the practice being a large source of income for Korean drama productions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we watched a whole last week tonight about that. Yeah. With John Oliver. He talked about how Subway is like a huge benefactor in Korean dramas. Yeah, currently. All the Koreans, they love to go to Subway. They There are scenes shot in Subways, yes. <laughs> so I was actually like reading articles in Korean from 2004 complaining about product placement in shows at the time. It was like a big controversy. They referred to it as like the PPL controversy. Mm-hmm. But... Like one one article in particular said that uh, Full House came out unscathed, so I was like, interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, they like abstained from it, so that's helpful, right? Yeah, I got a quote from the uh, production company's director. Okay, please Park... read it in Korean. No, <laughs> Park Chung Shik. Okay, Shik. Yes, Shik is closer. Park Chung Shik. Uh, he said. I accepted the recommendation to refrain from PPL as much as possible because PPL is a problem. (laughs) He also said, quote, we did everything as requested by KBS. We paid for not only the overseas locations, but also the cost of production presentation and the set building cost. Yep. Sounds right. I wouldn't be in the industry. I'm just saying I wouldn't be in the industry here in America, but I definitely wouldn't be in the industry in Korea. I'm like, yo, guys, too much of this is coming out of pocket. That company's behind you. Filming for the show began in April 2004 with episodes of the show shot on location in South Korea, Shanghai, China, and Phuket, Thailand. Director Pyo Min-soo personally requested to shoot in Thailand as he visited the city with his wife in 1997. Thailand's really pretty. And that's all I got. Oh. For Full House. Great. Yeah, we watched uh, episode one of Full Mm -hmm. House. It was great. Um, I had to, like, I, I guess... I, I'm assuming, and this is based on the, it's like a translation of a translation. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a translation of the Japanese retitling of the episode. Okay. I think it's just called Let's Go. <laughs> Let's go. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Kacha. Ikimashou. Sorry. Yeah, Let's do it. All right. <laughs> so main character. Mm-hmm. Oh, Full House. Okay, I want you to... Don't ask me to name these people because I scrubbed it from my brain because I'm mad about this show. (laughs) Any any guesses? No. (laughs) Writer lady. The main character's name is Han Ji Yoon. Ji Yoon Han? Yeah. Uh, She is... She's not half Korean. She's full Korean. She is full Korean in the adaptation we are talking about. Her name's not Ellie. Her name is not Ellie. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh... Ji-yoon? Ji-yoon. Ji-yoon? Yeah. Wait, Ji- is there an H in it? No. Yeah, Ji-yoon. Ji-yoon is a aspiring screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Also, I ha- okay, I, I got clips from the show, but obviously they're all in Korean. Mm-hmm. I even searched for like an English dub that doesn't exist. Oh my gosh. I want you to know if you had like found one and not told me about it so that I could say no thank you guy, I would walk from the set. It's either that or use the robot voice, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like I, I tried to get clips where like it's kind of obvious what the character is doing mm-hmm. so in this scene we meet jiun and she is uh typing on her typewriter because she or her computer because she's a screenwriter she's mm-hmm. thinking up some story somewhere 
listen to this. She's like, <laughs> she had a good idea, I guess. It wasn't. <laughs> so describe Jiyun. She's our main character. We see the most of her. So Jiyun is um, a woman who lives alone in a very nice house. I would not live here. There's a lot of stone. <laughs> There's a lot of stone in this house. I was like, and I don't like the stairs, but she lives alone in Wait, her Would you home. be surprised to learn that they built that house specifically for the show? A little bit. Was it a full house? The location. Was it a whole house or was it like a set? It's a full house. <laughs> no. The location of the full house is a house built specifically for the show. It is located in, oh my gosh, Incheon? Incheon. Incheon. Near Incheon International Airport. The house made mostly of wood cost approximately 1 million US dollars to build. Okay. The house remained a tourist attraction until it was torn down in April 2013 oh. due to irreparable damage from a typhoon. That makes sense. That's pretty cool. People That's... from far and wide were coming to visit the full house. If it was still up, 100% that'd be an Airbnb location. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she lives in her house. She's a bit of a... She's not the most clean. She's a klutz. She's a ah! she's. It's not that she's a klutz. It's that she's not clean. <laughs> it's she, that she just she's leaves stuff. Yeah. yeah, she just like oh, I had a great idea. Let me put this milk carton that I just drank out of on the counter instead of back in the th fridge and run to my computer to write. Like, yeah. So she's um, her house is kind of like her. At least at the beginning, it's like a representation of her her mind. Yeah. It reflects her her inner state. You know, she is very like little care. She's kind of not. I don't want to say naive, but she yes. is. <laughs> she's an idiot. She. Here's the thing. You used that word when we were watching through it this time, and I'm like, no, she, no, is. no, no. I've seen idiots in K dramas, not in the real life. <laughs> um, she's just. I would say she's more like naive and trusting. She doesn't make the best decisions, but she's not stupid. <laughs> She's an idiot. Parents are probably idiots too. Wow. Jess, if you ever have a daughter that acts that way, I'll disown you. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I was uh, speaking of the house being messy and a representation of her mind. That was like one of the, when I rewatched it to get these clips. Mm -hmm. That was one of the like the only directorial choices where I was like, that was a smart decision. Mm -hmm. She's running downstairs to get the door at some point. Yeah. And as she's running down the stairs, she's. She was told to kick like empty bottles and things down yeah. the stairs as she runs down. So it's almost like a like a like a cartoon of her running down the stairs and her kicking up garbage as yeah. she comes down. Yeah. I was like, you know, so like plastic bottles are like tumbling down the stairs as she runs. Yeah. Like, that was a good choice because it shows that she's like all over the place. Yeah, that's fair. That's the only like praise I'll give the direction of the show. The show is very bland to look at. Yeah. There was the first shot of the first episode is handheld camera mm -hmm. and it's shaky. Yeah. And it's like coming up over. And I was like, oh, shaky camera. That's an interesting choice. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> it's just bland, static shock shots. Yeah. It was a time. It was a time. Like, I think it's really interesting because I was watching. Obviously, I watched this with you and then I'm, I'm watching a different drama with a friend and half the time we're pausing so I can talk about camera language uh, because it's like, it's so beautifully shot. It's dynamic. The camera is, it's it's using the language of cinema. And then to go to this, we were like, that's a choice. <laughs> and uh, 
Jiun is not the other, the only main character. No, there's we, another. It's a romantic comedy, so we have a male main character and we have a female or male lead and a female lead. So we'll talk about the male lead, whose name is Rain. Well, it's Lee Young Jae, Young Jae, Young Jae, Young Jae. Not to be confused with Old Jae. Young Jae. <laughs> Young Jae Lee. He is a an actor. He is, in fact, played by Rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got a clip of him. He's at a media scrum where he's being asked the same series of questions by the uh, Chinese press over and over again. Mm. He's rehearsed all his answers, so he just gives the same answer over and over again. Oh, uh, 개인적인 질문은 받지 않는다고 제가 분명히 말씀드렸는데요. 지금 이 레스토랑에 방문의 감정은 어떠냐? 아, 굉장히 현대적이고 아름다운 도시라고 생각합니다. 어, 니 태중고 패스의 띵은 내가 레이싱다. 믿었던 친구와 사랑하는 여인을 잃고 격정적인 삶을 사는 남자의 시대물입니다. 아니, 옛날 산성이다시. 스티스로. 처음이에요. You can even hear him how like bored he is. <laughs> he he seems bored doing all of this. That was a very very polite tone, my guy. <laughs> okay, well at, at first she's just like <sighs> that was professional and that was polite and that was him respond. So here's the thing. I think that's interesting. Ta- oh gosh, this is going to be fun. Well, looking at his face, he looks so bored. Okay, this is going to be fun because no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I like I like to be able to see like, oh, what do you see and what do I what do I see having like a little bit more cultural knowledge? Um kids because you're not seeing this like this scene follows one that's right before it. like Raja said he's at a scrum is it really called a scrum yeah, media scrum that's a weird word there he's hosting the media scrum at his hotel room yes so he's currently in china because he's shooting uh he's filming a movie in china so uh all the interviews are done in i believe it's mandarin i think that's I, what i, I was so. hearing um yeah, I don't. Yeah, that definitely wasn't Cantonese. So he, they're like, so at first in the first scene, um, he's sitting with an interviewer and he has a translator, and uh, this woman is asking questions, and then the translator is translating back and forth from like, from Mandarin to Korean, from Korean to Mandarin, ma- 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 Mandarin, not Mandarin. <laughs> and uh, then we switch to the scene that Raja showed, which is the same questions being asked, but no translator, because at this point he can like. They're saying the same kind of words so that they're all asking the same questions. And And it's just like, how are you enjoying Shanghai? I like it very much. Is it your first time here? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, right. And so what kind of movie are you making? (laughs) So I think that like if I was watching um, this and this was like American, right? Like if this the the I, I think of and I don't think you've seen this movie, but America's Sweethearts is all about a I was watching it once when I was here and you were like, What are you watching? And then you left. Yeah, never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, because it's a, like it's a movie I remember. I was like, Oh, I would like that movie. I think it came up in one of my runners up and I rewatched it. I was like, Wow, I'm glad we didn't talk about that. But the whole movie is done at a scrum uh, uh for a movie. And so like you just see the same kind of things. You could see the actors being annoyed and bored by the same questions, and I can see that in general. But here like the level of professionalism, like, yeah, he's like annoyed that he's asking the same questions, but he's like unfailingly polite in his tone and really professional and how he's responding to these things. Uh, and so, yeah, a little bit. So I think it was a, a good directorial or editing um, choice to do it how they did to be like, oh, he's doing these same things so often that he doesn't speak this language, but he's got it. Uh, but he was like, very professional in how he was speaking. Well, if he was polite and professional, it's against his other, his character because throughout the rest of the show, he is a flippant, uh, put upon, 
young man. Yeah, because uh, we can be good at our jobs, but still be brats. <laughs> yeah, he's a brat. He doesn't like. He, he seems to me like he doesn't like people. Mm. Or he doesn't like to be bothered. He. It seems to me. Okay, it's been again. It's been a while. It. No, I think what I would say is. He likes who he likes, and everyone else can just go jump off a bridge. <laughs> and, and as far as I know, he likes two people. Yeah, basically. Yeah. His best friend and his ex-girlfriend. Nope, they never dated. Oh, well. His crush? <laughs> yes. That would be apropos. Because it's a, ran- a romantic comedy, of course. There's mm. got to be a love quadrangle. Oh, we'll my We'll get gosh. there later. So uh, jumping back to ji the the main character, mm-hmm. uh, she has a surprise. She is surprised. By two characters we haven't met yet. Yep. <laughs> She's very upset to be interrupted by writing. What did they say? Uh, congratulations. And she was screaming, running to the door, yelling, wait a minute, because they were bringing so much. What are her friends' names? <laughs> I'm writing them down so I can remember. Okay, uh her her friend the the female friend's name is Yang Hijin. Yan? Yang. Yang? 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 Yeah, yeah. Give us the last name. Yang. Yang Hijin. Gosh, that's such a popular name. Hijin. And her and her friends her male friend who is the husband of the female friend. Mm-hmm. So they're married. They are? They are married. Oh, I husband. thought they were just dating. No, it says husband. Huh. Oh, I think they get married later in the show. Okay. So boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Shin Dong Wook. Anyway, uh, they come to the door and say, congratulations, you've won a prize. <laughs> okay. Uh, and in the previous scene, you learn that these this couple here, they're having a baby. <laughs> they're having a baby. And also they're struggling financially. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, okay. And it... The beginning of the show is so jarring because they they throw like so many characters at you all at once. I was very confused for a <laughs> sec. I was like, who are these people? What's going on? What's happening? <laughs> Where are we? It was weird. It, it was almost dreamlike. So maybe they were like taking for granted how popular the comic was. Mm-hmm. So the people who watched the comic, they could follow. But me, I'm just like, Ugh. I didn't really fully understand the plot until... You know, maybe, maybe 20 minutes in. Yeah, okay. I remember you saying that. Uh, and I remember, like, when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, no, but they make it obvious by this shot and this shot. But I can't remember what it was. Because you're like, who are these people to her? What is going on? Yeah, I guess it's it just, they 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 clearly know each other and they're friends. And that was it. You know, I don't know. I could have, it could have used a bit more, like, I don't know, status quo setting. Mm-hmm. You know, show me what uh, Ji Yoon's life is like. Before her life gets turned upside down. I don't know. Maybe she wants to rap about it. <laughs> Maybe she wants to rap about like it. Like the Fresh Prince. Wow. Um, yeah, it is a pretty quick jump in. I think that it's... Re- okay, so the, the first episode, we're not we're, we're introducing the characters. Yes. So I'm not going to go too much. But the first episode moves so fast. So fast. Um, Pacing-wise, I, th- I think about the dramas that we're going to be seeing in the upcoming years and uh, like for the show and just in general. Uh, and this is, this is something that the the industry definitely moves away from, right? Like this is why uh, like we, you really take time 
for drama, like how you introduce, like the first episode of a drama usually is one of the more like boring ones because it's so slow paced. Like, do you remember when we watched Ituan class? And I was like, look, you have to, you have to get through the first half an hour. I understand that that is going to feel boring to you, but it's very important. And then it isn't until like literally the last five minutes where you're like, okay, this is what this show is about. Yeah. that It's like the opposite end. You got to find the middle, middle ground. Yeah. You know? And and there are a lot that are middle grounds, but I was saying that because both of these, the ones like Full House and Ituan class are are two examples of ones that are based off of webtoons, right? And if you have a bulk of stuff that you're going to like put in, you have a choice to make. Like, how am I introducing these characters? When am I gonna, like, what am I holding off on? And here it just goes too fast because they're going to be in a different country in the next 10 minutes. They are. <laughs> you know, like, they're gonna be on a plane in 10 minutes into the show. And it's like, that's too, like, even when we were watching through it, I was like, okay, we have to be almost done, right? Because where the episode ended, I was like, I could have sworn that's where episode two ended. There were so many things they could have, like, spent time on but we're not talking about that yet we're talking no. about characters sorry why are they well why are they on a, why is she on a plane because why, congratulations why, why, why you is, won you won you won a contest you didn't even know you were enrolled in that, that's, <laughs> we're not joking that's what happens her, yeah her two friends show up at her house unannounced and say congratulations i work at a bank and the bank says you won. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just like I work at a bank, right? Like uh, her her friend, um, I think you said Lee? Lee? Uh, no, I don't think you did. Uh, uh, Dongook, he works at her bank. Like, so he's worked at the bank. She keeps her money at that bank. They've been friends since uh, either middle school or, or high school. I can't remember. Like, it tells you in, like, photos and it tells you later down the road. They've been friends for a very long time and she banks at the bank that he works at and i think what he said is uh i want a ticket but i don't want to like leave my girlfriend i want to like make sure that we're like and I, we think you deserve a, you've never left the country so we're giving it to you because you're our best friend and she was a little sus about it at first it was like a full expenses paid trip to china yep it's you know ho hotel included yep a car was supposed to pick her up at the airport and she's like okay she at first was like, no, no, but they like, like, come on, girl, like you deserve this. And, you know, you listen to your best friends because they know when you deserve something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't turn out well. It, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Once she gets to China, we'll tell you what, what we'll pull the rug under. Mm -hmm. We'll pull the rug from underneath you. Just in the way that she had the it pulled. Right. Uh, but there is a scene on the plane. She, she's. Her friends are very pushy. They push her to the airport. It's a first class ticket, my guy. They buy her a first class ticket or they give it to her because yep. they tell her that's what she won. Yep. And she's sitting in first class on this plane. Uh, it doesn't go down over the Pacific. Wow. Luckily. <laughs> very luckily. Uh, but we get our meet cute where Lee Jun meets young Jay. Mm-hmm. <gasps> What's up with that uh, Stevie Wonder music? <laughs> you like that funky sound? It, it's it's just superstition. <laughs> but why is it playing? I, I was it superstitious? No, it's, it, 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 the the funk music is there to 
show that Young Jay is walking into the plane. Ah. And he's a big superstar, and she's surprised ah. that he sits right next to her. He does, in fact, sit right next to her. She was reading a newspaper with his face on it that was um, full of rumors. And then it was like, oh, this is you. It's <laughs> like, oh, are you are you this, this famous actor? And he could care less about her. He does not speak a word. Not a word. Not a word. It's, Which, yeah, that tracks. She should, like, take a hint. It's like, hey, this guy doesn't want to talk to you. Yeah. Leave him alone. In real life, uh, that seat next to him would have been bought by his agent and he would have not been sitting next to a stranger. <laughs> his handler. Yeah. So maybe yeah. that's why he was upset. He's like, ah, someone didn't do their job. Yeah. I could not imagine thinking like, I'm sitting next to a saucing. No, that's not great. That's not great. But like, it, it's like scenes like this where it's like, I called it uber cringe. <laughs> she, she has no social literacy. Yeah. In this, this is situation. very true. She, they're eating food. You know, they're eating their in-flight meal, mm-hmm. and she is asking him if he's going to eat his food. Yeah. Like, oh, let me have that. And she's all over the place. She's, uh, It's not a great cute. <laughs> no. it's it, it made me hate her all the more. Aw. Well, you do like your personal space. Yeah. And to not be talked to. Especially <laughs> on a plane. Yeah. It's like, like the worst. Like, we are in, trapped here. Please leave In me first alone. class specifically. I bet you if you're like a, you know, a normal first class passenger... And some weirdo is sitting next to you, you know, some some yokel, you know, who, mm-hmm. who's clearly never been in first class before is bothering you continually. I'd also be very upset. Yeah. Be like, um, shush. Thanks. I don't know how long that flight is, but if it was a long time, I'd be mad. <laughs> like, Please stop. And this is before. I mean, obviously, there is like headphones. You could listen to music and stuff. But my like, gosh, I need to put on headphones so you just don't engage me, my guy. But uh, the cringe doesn't stop there. They're they're landing. Mm-hmm. They're they're, gonna, they're they're coming down. They're descending. Yes. And Ji Yoon's ears need to pop. Yeah. So she says to Young Jay, "Oh, my ears need to pop. They say if you swallow it, like you if you like swallow your spit, it'll pop your ears. Mm-hmm. And when she does that, she what happens? Throws up all over his shirt. <laughs> You were disgusted because they actually actually used throw up here. It wasn't just like, oh, my face is out of frame and it's in no, that I'm throwing it. up. <laughs> it was gross. But apparently this... From what I understand, based on my research, this was a very important cultural moment in Korean television. They referenced the puke, <laughs> like like retrospectives on the series, like Full House has endeared fans from the very first puke. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was a line from an article. Oh my gosh. Gross. Very gross. <laughs> I prefer not seeing it. <laughs> yeah, so she leaves a bad impression and he takes off and she... Like, he he leaves his his smelly, gross shirt in the, in the plane's uh, the pocket in front of his chair. Yeah, which I think I said like if he's he was wearing like a wife beater under his his normal sweater, and I had told you if that happened to me, I would immediately yeah go to the restroom, like take off that shirt, wash up, and just like leave that shirt. Like it's 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 tainted forever. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not taking it with me. And that's exactly what he does. Yeah. He's like, ugh. 
But Ji Yoon has no sense. She decides, I'm going to take this shirt with me and wash it. Yeah, like, oh, he forgot his shirt. Because she's an idiot. Or she doesn't just, like, throw away shirt. Like, I hear you. But if, like, I got something on my shirt, I'd take it off. And I'd, like, scrub it and put it in my bag and take it home and wash it. I spent money on that mess. Are you kidding me? He's a movie star. I don't. I still spent money on that. No, I wore it because I liked it. A little bit of throw up can be cleaned out. It's not like it was set aflame. He's also he. We 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 noted this throughout the show. Uh, Young Jay's costumes were horrible. Oh my gosh, they're so bad. They were so bad. Oh my gosh, I've never seen him in any good thing. Oh oh, he was uh costumes just a costume designer. I'm so sorry. You did. This was a time. This was a time, and you dressed everyone for the time. It was bad time. <laughs> like, the shirt that gets puked on is, like, the deepest V-neck you've ever seen. Yeah. No, no, there's a deeper one later in the okay, show. Okay, <laughs> so it's, like, the second <laughs> deepest V-neck you've ever seen. It's a joke. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and then, like, he's, at one point, he's wearing, like, a shirt that looks like two shirts kind of, like, strapped together. Yeah. He's wearing, he wears a shirt like that twice, but one is just very like mummy falling apart. There's yeah. so much flesh showing. It's like, what is, what is it even holding? What what are we doing? What are we doing, Youngjae? Like, or like one looks like a ghee, but like made of like nylon. Oh gosh. It's so it's, weird. It's not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose anything from this show for a costume for Halloween. No. But yeah, that happens. And that was our meet cute. Yeah. Left a, she left a bad impression on him. And she couldn't even return his shirt because he's too famous to care. Yeah. And, and she gets turned away it. by his handlers who are like, she's like, I need to return this to him. And he's like, no, you don't. Yeah. Anyway, but by this point in time, you start to get an idea of what her friends did to her. Mm -hmm. Because she lands in Shanghai. Mm -hmm. She is supposed to be meeting someone who's supposed to pick her up. Yep. And no one shows up. No. No, 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 no driver. Nothing. Nope. She's looking at all the cards for her name and she doesn't see it. And time passes through a montage. And then she's holding a poster with her name, like going around, like asking people, hey, are you looking for me? This is my name. Are you looking for me? She then attempts to call her friends at the airport and they do not answer. Nope. They never answer. They never answer. She's supposed to be here a week. Yep. Sorry. Let's let's just fully just go in to this now. She's supposed to be here a week, first class, gets to a different country. She's never flown before. She's never been out of her country. She has a passport just because you got to have a passport. She gets to this country uh, and nobody's waiting for her. She knows what hotel she's supposed to go to, but there's nobody to take her there. So she's going to have to take a taxi because um, like her friends told her, this trip is great. And she got a ticket there and the return ticket is at the hotel. She was given a one-way ticket. She was given a one-way ticket by her not just best friends, her only friends, not just only friends, because we're not going to we're not going to watch this. But like she is an orphan. Her parents are dead. These kids are her family. She's given a one way ticket to a different country with the only money she has on her is like three hundred dollars. Her friend gives her when she leaves because she feels guilty about what she's about to do and is just gone. It's just sent. It's just sent away. Now let's flash back because this is what we do to what's happening in Korea. Yeah, because it, you might be thinking to yourself, why would her friends do this to her? Why did her friends do this to her? Because they found out that they were pregnant and they knew that their families would not support them, but they need money. 
So, because he works at the bank that she keeps all of her important information at, he took the deed to her house. All her money. Drained her accounts and sold her house. She sold, they sold full house. They just sold it. They just put it on the market, sold it, took the money. And ran. And and the the heart the one of the things that like I remember watching through this time that I was like livid at was like when they were dropping her off at the airport uh, and she like went the girl's like I feel so bad and the dude's like don't feel bad feel bad for us when she finally makes it, when she makes it back she's gonna be so mad like they just they they have not given her an exit plan to come back they just like oh she's like a cockroach she's going to make it back she'll be fine even if we're throwing her in the worst straits and yeah she does make it back. But we're not there yet. No. The point is, you drained her account and with that money bought her the first class ticket to send her away and then sold her house and then don't pick up her phone calls and then are just like, she'll figure it out. She'll either die in a foreign country with no money, no way back, no way to even get to the, the, counsel, the, the consulate, whatever you call it, the ambassador, I don't know, and- or she'll make it back and we'll have to hide. Like it's like the moral bankruptcy on hand here. I had to call my best friend and I was like, I just want you to know that I love you. I will ride or die. If you call me like tonight at midnight and say, I need you here, I will drive nine hours to get to you. If you ever, <laughs> the way I would come for your Achilles heel, you would not be able to walk. I would go to jail. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that. That's fine. That's fine. I will do the time because I destroyed her. <laughs> like, no. It's very frustrating. And by the point, like, <sighs> at this point, like, I realized what was happening. And I was yeah. like, no. Yeah. I I think, did what? No. They couldn't do that. I remember when we were watching through this the first time and I had total recall what was happening. It was like, I was like, I'm so sorry, Ron. I'm so sorry. It was like, like four minutes in. You're like, what are you talking about? And about half an hour in, like, no, no. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that we're doing this. And at least in, in Shanghai, she's still under the impression that she's won a trip. So she's like operating under that assumption and she's giving her friends the benefit of the doubt. So she's not like problem solving like me and you would probably be doing in that yeah. situation. Like I remember we took a trip to New York and our oh. Airbnb uh, it was a scam. It was a scam. Like the guy, or no, I guess it was like the, the woman who put the listing up didn't own the property or something or mm -hmm. had moved out. And so like our, our reservation was faulty. Yeah. So you and me were on a Greyhound bus on a three hour bus ride from Albany to Manhattan on the phone. You were on the phone. Yeah. And, you know, and I was on my phone 3G trying to figure stuff out and we figured it out. Yeah. We got a new Airbnb and got $600 in our pocket. Yep. So, like, we would be figuring things out. Absolutely, we would. Jiyun doesn't do that. Nope. She kind of like ro rolls with it. She takes a she buy <laughs> she, she takes a cab ride to the hotel she's supposed to be staying at. Yep. She doesn't have enough money to pay the cab driver for the fare, so she gives him her crappy wrist wristwatch and runs. Yep. So that was theft, and the guy just kind of. This poor Chinese man is just like, oh, well. Like, this is my job, and I just lost out on fair. Great. Yep. Uh, and then she gets into the hotel and is like, hi, I have a reservation under this name. Yep. And luckily, uh, in this one, she's she's a Korean woman speaking to a uh, Chinese hostess at a hotel. Mm -hmm. They both speak English. 
I'm sorry. Um, maybe there's something wrong. You haven't booked any room. Will you please make sure again? Excuse me. You haven't booked any room. Will you make sure again? What are you doing? Check in, please. Check in, please. <laughs> She's like, what does she say? Check in, please. <laughs> she doesn't understand what's. She was like, do you speak English? Yes. Okay. And then she goes through a book and figures it out. I was like, you could have asked if she spoke Korean. I feel like she would have also spoke Korean. She might have. Yeah. This lady speaks English really well. Yeah. Or if she didn't, somebody there does. Oh, is that a, is that a uh, segue? No, it's not. But I'm just like at a high, uh, high profile hotel, which her friends definitely told her she won something to. If somebody's speaking two language, there's going to be like, oh, one second, please. And you just get a coworker that actually speaks Korean. But segue, somebody there speaks Korean. Right, because also checking in is a young man named... The hottest guy in the show. Yu Min Hyuk. Is that right? Min Hyuk. Min Hyuk. Well, okay, I don't know what... I have to see... The, okay, I should just Google how they're writing the words in Korean, but... Mr. Yu <laughs> is at the hotel also checking in. He is a friend of Mr. Young Jae. And... uh you know, it's just like this suave business type looking guy. And he it's it's kind of a funny misdirect because he walks up to the um, the check in desk on the phone speaking mm -hmm. Japanese. Yep. And no, he walks up and he speaks in Mandarin to the hostess hostess and then switches to Japanese on the phone. So so Jiyun assumes that this is a Japanese man coming to China for business. So she directly speaks to him in Korean, assuming he doesn't speak Korean, even though he's a Korean man and is flirting with him in Korean, eh. jokingly. Like, yeah, yeah. Just like, talking like, oh, about, you think I'm beautiful, don't you? <laughs> Something like that. And she's just like messing around because she thinks he doesn't understand what she's saying, yeah. but he's actually Korean and he butts in to help her get her reservation figured out. <laughs> 확실히 약하신 거 맞습니까? 네. 뭐 이즈데이는 저비할라고. 아, yes there is. How many days will you stay? 며칠 묵으실 거죠? 금요일까지요. So it's gonna stay until this Friday. Wait a moment, please. Um, room 13 or 5, is it okay? 어, 그래. Japanese sounded good. English, not so good. <laughs> English was pretty good. Okay. <laughs> English was pretty good. It was, it was like, honestly, very fluent. It was good. Like, yeah, there's an accent, but. Well, when he said, are there any rooms available? That made sense. But um, whatever, whatever he, he said his first sentence in English. I was just like, that was English. When you said, how long are you planning to stay? She's staying until Friday. Oh, no. Maybe when he says, are there any rooms available? That, um, I was just like, oh. <laughs> what do you say? Well, there's a lot of V's and L's in that word. <laughs> um, he was very helpful. And that is the best kind of meet cute. Okay. Personal thought. He should have been the male lead. <laughs> Either way, this guy, Mr. Yu, he's uh, he's a nice guy. Yeah. I, I have found no faults with him. Yeah. Other than maybe, you know, maybe he's just kind of like upper class. Like maybe he's a little. That's the fault. I, I, don't I don't know. I don't know if he, like, I have no idea. He's less of a brat than young Jay is. Yeah. He's more mature. He's young. He's older. I don't know by how much, but he's definitely like 
He's yeah. Obviously, he's gonna come off definitely as more mature because he's young in this situation. But, but that's the thing. I don't know if he he still has like snobbish tendencies or not. But yeah. Uh, either way, like him and Young Jay have been friends for a long time, like mm-hmm. since childhood. So they have a relationship. He's at the hotel to meet him. Yeah. So they have a meeting. And they they t- they discuss they they discuss their girl troubles. Because <laughs> Young Jay is in love with some lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Mr. Yu's there to give him advice. Yeah, I guess. They talk like two 20-somethings who are, you know, on the prowl. Yeah. Like just in the dating scene. It's like the the conversation is a little bit like weird. Like not weird like that, but it's like very general because the show is like, don't worry, we'll get to that. (laughs) Also, I think I'm going to call him Mr. Yu because I I don't want to mess up his first name. Oh, no, you're fine. It's Min Hyuk is right. Min Hyuk? Yeah, Min Hyuk. Min Hyuk. He's financing the movie that Young Jay is filming in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. So they're there to talk business, but they actually, because they're friends, end up talking about dating more <laughs> than anything else. So that, that's kind of funny. Sometimes that's just the way. When you work with friends, you're like, da 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 da. Okay, we need to we need a, a four hour meeting because two hours is just us going to be talking. <laughs> right. And this it's now we've, okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk, I guess we'll talk the love quadrangle later. But mm-hmm. I assume there's some kind of love triangle between these three. Yeah, you can automate the the thing about especially early Korean dramas. They you could still do it now. If it's a rom com, if it, there's any kind of romance in it, uh, first episode, you know who the male lead is, you know who the female lead is, and you know who the person is that is going to try to throw that off. End statement. There are rare occasions, like some of my favorite like romantic romantic dramas, where I'm like. Yes, we're just being adults and we're not throwing in stupidity. But like you can tell right off like, okay, who are we? What? Who's going to be the wrench and what's going to be what? And this is obvious. <laughs> With this one, yeah. It's very obvious right off the bat, especially if it's like, oh, the meet cute between the main two main leads is awful. Meet cute between the one of the main leads and a second lead. It's beautiful and amazing. And I'm going to root for this because this seems far more healthy, but it's not going to be end game. <laughs> Anyway, jumping back to Ji Yoon, she gets her hotel via Min Hyuk. Yeah. He, he's able to get her a hotel until Friday. She does not have money nope. for this reservation. She, she does has, not. She assumes that her friends are going to be sending her money or something. Yep. Something's wrong. Something is wrong. So she's living off like $2 ramen mm-hmm. in her hotel room. And she goes and like sightsees. She gets a disposable camera and just like... She might as well enjoy her vacation. Yeah. Her friends will figure it out. Yeah. And honestly, she like at at that point, right? At least she's being smart then. She's not like, oh, I'm in a new country. I'm going to eat X, Y, and Z. Like, which is, I would She be, doesn't have money. I would be big mad. But if she was like, yeah, but my friends are going to wire me money. I don't have to worry about that. They just didn't pick up the phone. Uh, and they couldn't call me back at the airport because I wasn't at the airport. But now that they have this phone. So I'll go and spend my money and I'll come back to the hotel. And by then they'll have wired me money. Like, she is at least not doing that. Like, she's not an idiot. She's going to well, wait. But that's the thing. She doesn't have any money to spend at, at a she, certain point. No, she, has, she still has cash. She didn't give all her cash to oh, the... Okay, because like there are times when she's like walking the streets of Shanghai like hungry yeah and she sees people grilling food and she like her tummy rumbles oh my gosh like, oh, it looks so good candy. yeah <laughs> and she did because like she what she did buy was the ramen yeah and kept in uh. so at least that was a wise decision but yeah she is totally expecting her friends to help figure out you know and they don't they don't because they're monsters they are monsters they've sold her house. a little bit mobsterish. <laughs> uh Goodness. So it is her last, I, I think it's like her last day in Shanghai. She's mm-hmm. like, my friends won't call me back. I have no money to pay for this extravagant hotel. But I do know one person here 
I know one Korean in this hotel, and I have his shirt. Yep. So I don't have that clip, but... She uh, gets to his hotel room and is basically pleading with him to, like, I just... I just need money to get. I need money to pay off the hotel and a, a flight home. It can. And, be this, the and this is why I call her an idiot because she's she's not explaining what happened. Yeah. And like she's like you know beating around the bush, and I'm like just just tell him what happened. Tell him the truth. Mm-hmm. Like she's like oh you know I'm like no no stop 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 being skittish here. <laughs> tell him what happened. Or at this point. Mm. This is where I'm like, honey, use some critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Go to the Korean consulate. Yeah. Explain what happened. Yeah. Tell the authorities. Yeah. And she doesn't. She does not do she, that. Because she's stupid. She does. You know, I wonder, I'm not going to read it because I'm not, but I wonder if her being only half Korean in the manhwa would have made that more pro- more troublesome. Like, yeah, no, I'm a Korean national. Like, eh, you don't look Korean. Where's your stuff? Da da da. Maybe like, you know, but like here, doesn't translate. She should have just gone to the the consulate. Yes, <laughs> or, or explain out. this to Young Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thoroughly. Yeah. Say, listen, my friends did this. That's why I was in first class. I think they conned me. Yeah. I I need help. You're the only Korean I know. Yeah. Can you help me? She looks like a con artist, regardless, though. Kind of. <laughs> So um, what does she do? Because Young Jay's not having it. No. He, he like slams the door in her face several, several times. times. <laughs> so she's like, fine, can you just at least give me uh, Min Hyuk's number so I can call him? How do you know Min Hyung? Uh, we just go way back. And then at that point, he's like, I'm interested now. How do you know him? Let me know. And then she spill, spins a web of lies because yep. she's a con artist. Yep. So she tells Young Jay that she is had she was almost married to Min Hyuk. <laughs> yeah, they had some kind of like romantic rendezvous somewhere. And he you learn later that he is insecure about Min Hyuk's like uh relationship romance with- acumen because he yeah he he might be in a relationship or be, he might be flirting with the same woman that young Jay is interested in. Or he's insecure that that's a possibility. No, the thing is and I guess this wasn't translated to you. Like, you didn't see it. The problem is the girl he likes, uh, the girl that uh, Young Jae likes, he is very aware that girl likes Min Hyuk. <laughs> and that makes him insecure. And that makes him insecure. So he's like, wait, so you used to date him and you guys were close enough to almost get married? Maybe I can utilize this. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe I could be like, oh, let's like get you guys back in a relationship so I have a better chance with the girl I like. Correct. Yes. It was a romantic comedy. Yeah. It's so funny. So funny. But yeah, it works. And he's like, fine, here's money. Get on a plane and go home. And she does. And the first thing she does when she's at that airport, calls her friends and say, oh, wait till I see you. And then she goes home. And what happens? Empty house with a tin roof. She goes home and all of her stuff, there's no furniture, there's no leftover cups and plastic bottles, there's no um, paintings on the wall, there's no, like, luckily, like, she took with her the only picture she had of her best friends and her parents, because those would have been gone too. 
the way I would do murder. My guy, like this, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's Sonic the Hedgehog 3 music. That was her frantically searching around her house for all of her belongings because they're all gone. All, all gone. Everything's gone. There's nothing. There's not even food. And she's she, hungry. Yeah. The <laughs> only thing left in the house that's hers is like stickers on like poles and walls in her house that she yeah. put up when she was young. Yeah. It's awful. It's just awful. It's so sad. But also very frustrating for me. This is when I was getting so frustrated watching the show because I'm, I feel like I'm a critical thinker. You're a critical thinker. If this happened to me, first, uh, she, she, she does what I would do. First things first, go to the bank. Mm -hmm. Try to find him. He's not at the bank. He quit two weeks ago. And you're like, uh oh, wait. And then, and then she has the same thought that I did. He works at this bank. He, he did. Where's my, like, check my account. Drained. Drain. Oh, all your money's gone. Okay. Tell the bank teller right then and there what happened. She doesn't say a word to the bank teller what happened. Yeah. She doesn't say, I need to talk to the manager of the bank. Because I didn't pull out any money. Your ex-employee just stole all my money from the account. Get a police report going. I need your help on this. Yeah. Because the bank would do that. We have a credit union. Yeah. I don't know how credit work unions work in 2004 Korea, but I would assume they would do something. So our credit union would probably be like, okay, we'll get an incident report out. We have insurance. Your money's coming back. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't happen. She just leaves the bank in a huff. Yeah. She goes then to um, <clears throat> she goes to Dongwook, her male friend's home, and asks the landlord, like, yo, where is he? And she's like, he hasn't been here forever. He moved out. He goes. She goes to um, Youngin's home where her, her mom and dad live, and they are like, I have no daughter that would get pregnant by some stupid. So she finds out that they're pregnant. They ran away. They stole her money. They stole her house. So she does what you should do. No. No, she no, doesn't. No, no, she do. doesn't. She goes home again and she's searching through drawers and she finds a letter uh, that is from her friends that are like, we're so sorry. It's signed. It's, it's signed. And it's it, 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 it's evidence. Yeah. it's It's like... <laughs> We're so sorry. We stole all your money. We stole your house. But um, Heiwan is uh, pregnant and we just need this. And here's a picture of the pregnancy. You're going to be an auntie. And she's like, the crap. So she goes to the cops. She tears that letter up. She tears. She does, in fact, tear the letter up. I was like, she destroys evidence that could be used in her case. Yeah. yeah. She, does, she does not go to the police right away. The police is like one of the last places she goes. And I'm screaming at her, go to the police. She goes at that point. She does. She's just like, she does go to the police at that point. But she turns around almost immediately. Yeah, no, you're right. She doesn't go to the police until like she's sleeping. Like she rips that up. She's upset. Upset. She sleeps in her house. And the I next thought she morning, goes on a date first. She doesn't go on a date first. Not first. Not first. Because she doesn't. No, not, they go to a coffee shop before she goes to the police. I thought. I don't. Okay. Well, she whether, wastes what, so much time. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't matter what order it goes into, but I do just want to say what she does do is like she sleeps on the floor, the concrete, unheated floor of her home, and then wakes up because she hears sounds and people are moving a bunch of stuff in. She talks to the like, person who basically bought it. It's like, no, this is legal. It's all signed and stuff. And she's like, no, I didn't sign it. I own it. And the man says, that's a problem for the police, not for me. And then she goes to the police and she's in there for 45 seconds before she leaves without talking to because the police. Because she feels guilty about having her, she doesn't want to prosecute her pregnant friend. 
Yeah. Because she, she doesn't want to orphan another child. Yep. How stupid. It's very dumb. Take the child. <laughs> that sounds rude. Like, raise the child if you feel that badly. Like, no. It was like, you, you, that, that house is yours. That house is not just yours. It is the only thing your parents left you. So she, yeah, this, I was like, this, this woman's incredibly stupid. Yeah. I think that when she's leaving the police station is when she gets a call from Yongjae and, um, then they meet at a coffee shop. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, she does everything wrong. Everything. And wastes so much time. And that's why I think this, this show is so (laughs) irritating. Yeah. Yeah. It's. And these are the kinds of shows that, like, now, as a person who, like, no, there's a plethora of things that I can watch or do with my time. I'm not going to just finish something because I started it. Uh, I'm too old for that. <laughs> I, I don't have much time left. On I only have, like, 50 to 80 years left to live, and I'm not going to waste it on something that I don't want to watch. But, like, it's unbelievable. Like, I cannot suspend my disbelief It's illogical. Yeah. It's just, it does not make sense at all for you to be a grown person and not, like, no. In this, in a capitalist society, absolutely not. No, you owned property, and you're just gonna let that slide. No. Yeah. So I think that that's the thing that is it's so worth the trouble, lady. It's worth the trouble, and they brought this trouble on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Mess around, find out is all I'm saying, my guy. And like, that's yeah. That's the thing when I was like sitting here, it's like, oh gosh, I just remembered what the whole first part of the show is, and I, you're not gonna like it, Rod, and I'm not gonna like it. It's, it's horrible. It's just horrible. Everything about it is like the worst, and I was just like, there's no way. This is not. This is not a romance. This should be a, a revenge, <laughs> a revenge yeah, it should be. drama. It's a kill Bill. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna bottle up all this frustration for a sec. Come back to it. Uh, let's go back to Young Jay, and see what his his deals. You know, what's what's his life like? And you mentioned it, he's we mentioned it. He's got a crush on he a does. girl. And that girl's name is Kong Hye Won. Yeah, Kong Hye Won. And she's like a like a fashion designer or something. Yes. And so we're gonna blame her for all the bad fashion in the show. Yes. She's <laughs> she, she's the one dressed. She's dressing him. <laughs> he he's like, I wanna impress this girl that I love, so I'm just gonna wear all her bad clothes. Either way, he shows up at her like studio and mm-hmm. talks to her and they have coffee. So this is just a conversation about like nothing. It's just like yeah. small talk, but uh, it's noteworthy to me. I asked, we were watching that scene and I asked you, is she a bad actress? Because <laughs> even I could kind of hear kind of just like bad acting from that. Mm. What did you say? Uh, I I think I said no. Well, you said she sounded stilted. She she does sound OK. So she does sound really stilted. Uh, and going and listening to it without like watching it, even though I can like see the mannerisms. I was like, this was just <sighs> typecasting for like villainess. Like she's going to be an obstacle. So she has an attitude. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it's still not great. It's not great. She's speaking naturally. It's just the like tone of it. 
Either way, that's the completion of the quadrangle. Yeah. The love quadrangle. You got Ji Yoon, the main character, mm-hmm. Young Jae, mm-hmm. the actor, co lead. They're going to get together, I assume. Yes. Unfortunately. They're getting married. <laughs> yes. In two episodes. The friend, uh, Minyuk. Minyuk. And then the villainess. <laughs> Heywan. There you go. Yep. And uh, how's it all going to shake out? They they go on a double date at the end of this episode. They do. Because in while, that- <laughs> when Jiyun should be going to the police. Yeah. Like in, in that conversation that you just heard, basically, uh, Youngjae was asking uh, Heywan, like, hey, let's do, do you want to go eat on Wednesday? I think they said Wednesday. Like, let's go and eat. And she's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, why not? Like. Because she's like being very flippant about it. But then she gets a phone call uh, from uh, Min Hyuk, which, yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, let's go get food. And, same day. And while she's standing in that room, she's like, yeah, let's do that. Completely forgetting she's already agreed to go with uh, her friend <laughs> because she wants to go with that guy she thinks is hot, which, bet. <laughs> so Young Jay invites Ji Yoon thinking, oh, yes, they, they, she, she had a romantic something with yeah. my friend she's literally he's literally like i know they're going on a date i know where they're gonna well not a date i know they're going out for dinner and i know where they're going to eat so i'm just gonna also show up with his old flame and it's awkward it's very awkward because she's aware that she is not an old flame yep <laughs> and he barely remembers who she is because he saw her for a collective seven minutes in a different country yeah <laughs> And, and that, that that's like where the, the show kind of ends. It's like you get a really awkward date mm-hmm. and it's clear that everyone's lying to each other. Yep. Or at least like Young Jay calls Jiyun on her lie. Yeah. And she comes clean about, I just needed money. Yeah. And I'm going to pay you back once. Just not right now because my bank account is empty. <laughs> and so he's probably this con woman. Yeah. He, and should then, be, he should be going to the police too, honestly. He really should. But uh, he doesn't want his name wrapped up in that. Like, yo... You got your your uh, reputation is That's everything. That's true. Yeah, TMZ would be all over that. Ugh. It's called dispatch in Korea. Oh, okay. You don't want none of that. None. Just blatant. You just don't. And you don't want netizens to run with anything. You just don't want it. Anyway, that's not where it ends. What ends is she headbutts him and then walks away and then is has a suitcase at a bus station because she can't stay in her home but can't go anywhere. So she falls asleep. On her own porch. Guess who bought the house? Young Jay. And that's where we end. So <laughs> the he, first episode. He bought the house that was stolen from her. What could possibly happen? So would you recommend this show? No, I'm going to unbottle that hatred I had and my frustration <laughs> about everything and say, no, <laughs> I will not watch this show. But what if I ask very nicely? No, <laughs> I don't recommend the show. It's, it's not good. It's yeah. very frustrating. Yeah. You definitely don't want to watch it. You yeah. didn't want to watch it for this show. I didn't. No, I don't. Kids, like, we're going to talk about quite a few Korean entertainment things uh, as we are heading full long into the 2000s and beyond. Okay. Aughts and the 10s and the currents. We're, we're, we're real deep in this world. We're going to ride the wave. But just like at the beginning when we were talking about Barney, there's going to be some duds. And this is one of them. It is like culturally culturally significant. It set off a lot of things, a lot of really great careers. It like um, did a lot of things for the industry. But there are a lot of themes in it. Misogyny, sexism, 
uh, stupidity, how a lot of a lot of things that I'm like, I am not going to sit through and watch this ever again, that I'm just not going to sit through and watch ever again. Um, and this is one that is the payoff is not worth the annoyance. It's just not. You heard it from her. Yeah, don't watch Full House. Watch watch Danny Tanner's Full House instead. I mean, that's also bad. But. <laughs> <laughs> what did the world think? Full House was a ratings smash in its native South Korea, debuting at number one with an audience rating of 21.6%, 25.4% for Nielsen, mm. another ratings board. Ratings only continued to grow as the series went on, peaking at 40.2% or 42% from Nielsen for the finale. I think that might mean that 40% of the target demographic watched this show when it aired. Hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The ratings war between KBS's Full House and NBC's, another network, their first love of a royal prince was well documented. Mm -hmm. There's like a ratings rivalry between those two shows. Did you ever watch First Love of a Royal Prince? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like period dramas. Full House proved equally popular in other Asian countries like China, Taiwan, and Thailand. But despite its strong ratings, critical reviews seemed to be lukewarm. According to Korea Times, general reaction to the debut episode was, quote, something awkward, (laughs) citing the lead actor's lack of chemistry and diversions from the source material. They really did not have chemistry. Not really. And they really don't for a good portion of it. Honestly, never mind. Not going to say that out loud. Don't want no one come for me. (laughs) Break News described Full House as, quote, very light on story and as having, quote, more disadvantages than advantages. Yes. Agree. And Jeonbuk Ilvo Internet Newspaper (laughs) claimed that Full House, quote, Burdens the viewers with poor acting, calling out Rain in particular. Say it. No. <laughs> Jess agrees. He's not a good actor. <laughs> she just doesn't want to say it to anger any fans of Rain out there. He's, look, look, Rainism, the man can dance. The man can dance. He can sing. I don't necessarily listen to his music, just not because it's not good. It's just not what, I, what I'm into. But He's a talented guy. We can't all be talented at everything. Look at Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good actor. I was talking about baseball, but sure. <laughs> Cinna 21, on the other hand, called it, quote, a trendy drama with a clean finish, praising mm. the consistent. Mm. I'm sorry, what? They praise the consistent quality and lack of product placement. This is the consistent bad quality i guess i don't know that's fine to sum things up kdramalove.com had this to say quote full house still has much to enjoy mainly the sparkling beauty of a young song Kyo, one of korea's prime actresses for many years and the cute energy and spunk of young rain in one of his first acting roles i feel like i didn't say this at the top and i'm gonna say it now the reason this drama is mine for the year is not because I watched it over and over. It's because I watched it once. And this is the only thing from that year I could say I've completed in 2004. Don't, you know, make your own decisions, but you don't have to, you don't have to watch this kids. No, it's these people are in better things where their acting is better. And the screenwriting is, wow, we're not going to talk about the screenwriting. Let's go. <laughs> well, we did. It's frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating. I didn't know what was going on. It's frustrating. 
Full House won the following at the 2004 KBS Drama Awards. Top Excellence Award. Actress for Song. Hyekyo. <laughs> Excellence Award. Actor for Rain. <laughs> so award-winning Rain. Mm-hmm. Popularity a, Award. That's actor. A, I was like, it's a popularity award. Well, no, that's a different award. I know it is. I was like, he's going to get that one. Yep, Actor for Rain. Popularity Award Actress for Song Hyekyo. And Best Couple for Rain and Song Hyekyo. Disagree. I'm thinking about the other shows that came out that year, and I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> and where did Full House go from here? Full House aired for a single series of 16 episodes. Do you want to comment on where things went? They get married immediately. <sighs> he tries again to make the his friend jealous, takes this girl to a party. Actually, I don't remember how she gets to the party, but she goes to this party for some reason. I think she may actually be looking for... Um, Min Hyuk, looking for Min Hyuk to be like, yo, we, we can be friendly. Please help me out. I've got some issues. Uh, and Rain's love interest, the one he actually likes, is like, hey, can you please stop crushing on me? Like, I'm not interested in you. You're a friend, but you're about to ruin our friendship. I don't like you. I like Min Hyuk. And he gets very childish. Just like, who says I even like you? I'm already in a relationship and pulls uh, her and kisses her. And it's on camera because they're at a press event and then has to double down and be like, yeah, we've been in a relationship for a while. Yeah, we're actually planning on getting married. Yeah, we got married. So they get married. She moves into her house that he currently owns, becomes his live-in maid, but she's very bad at being clean. So he, And he is a clean freak. And it's just a bunch of- It sounds horrible. Forced uh, approximation living uh, trope. Until they slowly start to like each other while she's also trying to figure out where her friends are. She does find them and she does forgive them, um, which is the most frustrating thing. And then... Uh, you don't have to say anymore. I'm you on, asked you, me where it yeah, went. Don't sell me anymore. I, I hate it. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. In 2005, Won Soo the author of the original comic, published Full House 2, a sequel series to her original story. Yeah. No, I did not watch that. Well, that was a comic. No, I did not hear. No, they, they also made a show out of it. Not, no, they didn't. Oh, is Full House 2 not based on? No. Huh. That's different. Interesting. Two, and here's what I'm talking about. 2012 saw the debut of Full House Take Two, a mm. South Korean sequel slash reboot series that shares the same premise as the original, but has a completely different set of characters and plot. Huh. It is, is a... not an adaptation of Full House 2. Is it a better plot? I don't know. It was 2012, so I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> a musical theater production of Full House was staged at the Hongik Art Center beginning April 11th, 2014. Okay. So you watch a stage musical? No, no I would not. <laughs> Full House has been remade in several countries over yeah. the past 20 years, including the Philippines, Vietnam, Cambodia, Turkey, Pakistan, Malaysia, China, and Thailand. I'm pretty sure I saw the Philippine one and I stumbled across the Thai one, but I didn't watch it. So interesting thing about the Thai one. So in Full House, the South Korean drama, they visit Thailand on vacation at some point. Mm -hmm. In the Thai version, they visit South Korea on vacation at some point. That's of, cute. One of my favorite things, you know, how like sometimes like accents trade, like hearing someone who speaks Thai speak Korean is wild to me. <laughs> it's wild to me. Anyway, so I'd probably watch it just for that scene. 
and Full House has been credited for pioneering the romantic comedy genre in South Korea and helping launch the, quote, Korean wave, a dramatic rise in the global popularity of South Korean popular culture. And for that and only that, am I grateful for this series. So thank you. No thank you. Full House. Thank you for walking so other stuff could run. <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> That's our show. Our show? That's our show. That's our show. Who won? Lost one. I think we all lost, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. The Lost is a way better show than Full House. Sure, I guess. Oh, come on. I mean, I still... Production like, value. You talking characters. about where the show went from there, like on mic and Pi- off mic, I'd be then. like, no, thank you. Keep that out of my house. The pilot, the pilot episode's better than Full House. Y- yeah, yeah. I think it's just about as engaging, in my opinion, though. Mm. <laughs> Either way, I'm going to say Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the lost I, wins. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you don't care? Then let's split it. No. You said you don't care. I, I care that lost <laughs> wins. I don't care what you have to say. Uh, but we got to talk about what we could have been watching if it weren't these shows. Oh, man. What could have saved us? What could have saved us? Well, for you, we could be watching Salad Fingers, a oh. thing I've heard you talk about. And I never want to see. Okay, okay. So I th- we've been, and we we've mentioned a few. We've been talking uh, web series at the time. I, I believe I also got I got DSL internet mm-hmm. around tw- 2004, 2005. So I was watching a lot of like at this point I was like transitioning away from watching TV, like TV TV, and just watching things on the internet. Mm-hmm. And Salad Fingers is a dark surreal flash cartoon series that debuted on newgrounds.com and like i would not consider it a web series i would consider it like a series of short films but when we looked at the list of web series debuts on wikipedia they named salad fingers and i was like well i think i've seen almost every episode of salad fingers i think there are some newer ones that debuted in the last few years that i haven't seen so Mm -hmm. yeah salad fingers is like creepy and twisted and uh unsettling so it's like not a show I would recommend to anyone. Yeah, is like creepy pasta? Is that the term? No, it's not creepy pasta. Okay. Uh, it's just weird and gross, mm. and d- definitely of the uh, like hot topic time mm-hmm. that it came out. Yeah. Well, then I guess in vain of uh, internet stuff, Mega sixty four. Mega sixty four. Yeah. Mega sixty four is another yeah another web series. It is um, basically it's like. It started out as a group of friends. They would dress up as video game characters and go out in public and mess with people. I hate it. It was this. like public prank type videos, but they were doing it like as if video games were real. So just you know, messing with people. Yeah. Like talking like hidden camera type stuff. I hate those pranks. And and I, I know you don't like those type of frames, but it was hilarious back in the day. So like their their resident evil four skit is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Mm. And it's just Rocco from Mega 64 dressed as the merchant from Resident Evil 4, which is a very specific reference, asking people in the public, what are you buying and what are you selling? <laughs> it's just, it's very silly. Yeah. But like me and my friend Steven, we watched those videos like crazy. And then I have all the DVDs on, on the shelf over there mm-hmm. because it's a web series that they actually made like full narrative shows out of. Like the skits are just part of the show. Right. And you, I made you watch the first episode of Mega 64 and you were not a fan. I was not a fan. (laughs) They're not like, like, especially the early episodes, like they're not good. They're they're basically high school students making a dumb public access TV show. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sort of like Mystery Science Theater 3000, but like even lower budget. Mm. So 
I think you made me watch something more current, which is like them doing all of the like Metal Gear stuff. Is that the same thing? Where they like? No, that's that. That's so. Mega sixty four is also like a production company now, and they make like you know short films or or videos like standalone videos that mm. are separate from the Mega sixty four tv show that they make mm-hmm. and they in the past like the past couple of years they've been like remaking entire seasons of dragon ball like amateurish with just special effects they have in their studio mm-hmm. and it's really good <laughs> it's really creative what they're able to do and they're like really funny guys okay and they did they did all of the the first metal gear solid video game right they they recreated the entire thing using like you know boxes and stuff and you enjoyed that i did <laughs> Mega 64 is fun, but I don't. I totally don't recommend it to people who won't get it. So yeah, that's fair. Um, and the last thing we could have been watching for you is the Strangerhood. The Strangerhood is another web series. Oh, it's by Rooster Teeth, the folks who made Red versus Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little ga- in 2004, a little video game called The Sims 2 came out. Mm-hmm. In fact, you might be listening to Sims 2 music right now. <laughs> a moment the, of silence for this for the full Sims. house segment. Seems appropriate. <laughs> Uh, the Sims 2 came out, and the marketing team uh, at Maxis, I think, makes Sims or EA. You know, EA published it. Uh, they reached out to Rooster Teeth, who had been hit, had a hit series with Red vs. Blue, and said, "Hey, can you make a Machinima series, which is basically using video game assets to tell a story? Can you use The Sims 2 to tell a story?" And so Rooster Teeth created The Strangerhood, which is a parody of reality TV show and other TV shows that were airing at the time. Hmm. And they used Sims characters to do it. You know, they they made... It's like they took the Sims and treated, like, the Sims characters as puppets right. in a little animated show. And they made fun of, you know, the real world mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, other reality-type house shows. But then towards the end, it became parodies of things like Alias and Lost and 24... And Prison Break, <laughs> all those, all the TV shows that were popular at the time mm. were being parodied on The Strangerhood. Right, and, that sounds uh, fun. Yeah, I have the DVD. I'm looking at it right here. Oh wow, on the shelf. And uh, they did a season two, like uh, they had the they had a financial ob- obligation to make a season two like ten years later. <laughs> they promised it as part of like a Kickstarter. Oh wow, because it was a joke. <laughs> In fact, I think it was because they were raising money Indiegogo style. For their first feature film, Rooster mm-hmm. Teeth was. And one of the, the stretch goals on the Kickstarter, on the Indiegogo campaign was, if we raise this much money, we will make a Strangerhood season two. <laughs> and they made it. And the guy who directed it got bored halfway through. And it's crap. Like, oh, wow. Like, it's it's bad on purpose. Uh, well. Yeah, shout out to Ray Noveas. He He... He joked about making a Strangerhood season two for years. And when they finally told him, all right, make one, he didn't want to. <laughs> He's like, oh, I did this to myself. What do you got? Well, if we weren't watching Full House, we could have been watching a different drama that there's absolutely no way we could have watched. Uh, it's called uh, Misani, uh, What? let's just say the English title. I'm sorry, I love you is the title of the drama. Um, It is the only drama that I've ever quit watching because it was too sad. Uh, And I'm going to run you down on it. I think I was telling you, you, husband, about what it was. 
Uh, and this is the reason I quit. No, I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. But the reason I quit is basically the main lead character finds out he has a brain tumor that is going to take him from this mortal coil within like eight months. And he was an orphan that was adopted uh in Australia, and I was like, I'm gonna go find my mom because uh, I'm sure she gave me up because she just couldn't afford to take care of me. Goes to Korea, finds out his mom is actually incredibly rich, has that generational wealth, definitely could have kept him, but instead didn't, and has a son whom she loves, adores, dotes on, gives everything, and is the perfect mother that he'd always wanted. Uh, and so he decides to use the last bit of his life to destroy that his younger brother's life to punish his mom for not keeping him. But uh, what you find out as a watcher very early on that the character does not find out until probably the end is the mom had twins and she wanted to keep the babies, but she was rich and her parents were like, nah, dog, that's going to ruin our our uh, reputation. So when she passed out after having given birth to the children, they took the babies and basically just dumped them anywhere they could and told her they died. Oh. And so she spent many years in actual depression until she like got married and had a, another kid and stuff. Um, but so he's like, yeah, I'm going to destroy this woman who never wanted me. And I lived a crap life because she decided that she just didn't want to be a mom. And that's just not the truth. And if she knew that her babies were alive, even if they are now in their 30s, she would be like unconsolable and would take them in. And it was it was just too hard. It was just too hard. It was just too hard and I could not. I had to be like, I have to think about my mental health and it is not it is not this right now. And so that did not get finished. I stopped, I think, episode four. All right. And um, I do not recommend that to anyone because I can tell you how it ends because someone else watched it and I was like, not nah, og, not nah, og. I couldn't. The other show we could have been watching, which I really wish uh, I had just lied to you, uh, is Big Fat Quiz of the Year, hey. which is one of our favorite things to do at the beginning of each year in this household that we live in. It's a uh, British variety show where at the beginning, they also do it monthly, but I mostly only watch the Big Fat Quiz of the Year. Uh, it's hosted by Jimmy Carr. <laughs> and um, you get six comedians on a panel and you're basically asking them questions about things that happened in the year that just passed. So usually it's up uh, very end of December uh, before. It's like our Christmas tradition. Yeah, it's our, yeah, it's the, we will usually watch it at the beginning of the year, like maybe the first or second day of the year. And they're just like, okay, all these things happen. A lot of it is like European centric, except, you know, 2016. <laughs> and, uh, so we don't always know the answers if you're not like, and it's world news, but it's like more European. It's, yeah, it's definitely more UK centric yeah. than anything. Yeah. And so, uh, there's some stuff that's like, I have no idea what that is, but it's fun to watch and to like, oh, sometimes we know the answers, but the comedians are, if they know the answer is great, but if they don't, it's a lot of really fun joke bits and stuff. And yeah. it's just a good, it's a good watch. Yep. It's fun. Uh, I, I recommend that. I don't know how we would have talked about that. Oh man. I'm really glad we're not going to talk Remember about the variety world shows events of 2004. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably was it even hosted by Jimmy Carr at that point. I don't know, man. Anyway, so those are the only things that I like. It was a dry year for 2004. And I didn't I, really watch stuff. It's so funny. It's like we watched the only uh, network show for me, and everything else was web series. I think that's yeah. an indication of where I was at because 
I also around this time got high speed internet and mm. was just on my parents' computer all real. the time. Real talk, my guy. Real talk. Yep. Flash cartoons all day, every day. All for day. Rodney. But that's that. That is that. That's our show. That is our show. And uh, we're going to close out with some plugs. We're going to close out with some plugs. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Media Made Show. So uh, if you want to vote in a poll and you can you can decide which show is better. If you've somehow seen both of these, you know, watch watch the first episode of Full House. Hey, kids. Well, actually, uh, I don't know if you can anywhere unless you have uh, Vicky, Vicky or uh your VPN is set to the UK. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, kids <clears throat> that I know do partake in watching our shows for the don't do it. Don't do it. Hey, I don't want you coming to me and looking at me with shame. Watch a different drama when we get to it. Don't do this one. We'll also post clips and videos and pictures and other fun things from these shows. Maybe I'll find some songs from the stage adaptation of Oh my gosh. A full house. Do it. Who knows? Do it. <laughs> you can follow me personally on Twitter and on Blue Sky at Rod the Master. I'm on Blue Sky now. Oh, you know? you, you moved? I, I mean, I, I'm still on both. I use uh-huh. Blue Sky as like a log of movies and games I finish. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to see what, what I've been playing or what I've been watching. And he has been Blue playing Sky. stuff. I have. I write for a video game website called ZeldaDungeon.net. We talk all about the Legend of Zelda video game series. So if you like Zelda, check that out. And I host a YouTube show called Keep Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. The show's focus is professional wrestling. So if you like wrestling, check that out. What about you? Uh, If you're looking for me, I'm in a full house. (laughs) If you're looking for me, I'm on YouTube as Taming Tales. I put uh, vlogs and stories. Uh, I, I used to put vlogs and stories. But I'll let you know if something new pops up there. There you go. You can, uh, oh, if you want to support the show, you could do so on coffee.com slash mediamate. That's ko-fi slash mediamate. So if you like, uh, if you want to throw some money our way, you can do that there. And yeah, uh, yeah, you know, follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us reviews. Leave us five stars. All the fun stuff. We appreciate it. Yeah. Next time we see you guys at the beginning of November. We will be Somewhere. doing yeah. our QQs. Yeah, we, we finished five years of, of shows on Media Made. Like the 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 mid the early two thousands has taken us longer than it has it had previously because yeah. uh, we decided to go from releasing an episode every week to an episode every month, which and is so much we, better for us kids. We finally finished our block of early two thousands media, and uh, yeah, the the Media Made Awards are coming up. Whoop whoop! We're decide the best of the best and the worst of the worst. Um, yep. So look out for that. And then once that's finished, we'll move on to the latter half of the aughts. Yeah. We're going to close out uh, the show with a song from Full House. The title is translated as either Fate or Destiny. Okay. Uh, and it's credited to Y, W H Y. Okay. Y, which I think is a pseudonym for the composer for the show, Lee Kyung Soup. Okay. Sup. Soup. Sup. I can't see how it's written. S-U-P. S-U-P? Soup. Soup. But you said, I think this is the song you said is sung by Rain. So Rain might be the singer. I think he might. Okay. I, I think I remember when we were listening to it, it was like, it sounded like his voice. So either way, this might be Rain singing the song Fate. Fun. Anyway, look out for new shows. Once the, the Media Made 
awards are out of the way, you can look forward to hearing about our movies of 2005. Woo woo.